2: well, here we are. It's uh, Monday. We're actually doing the intro before the interview, which is quite rare for us. It's going to be a completely linear process today. Hey,
3: it's 2021, baby. Let's change things up. Let's live on the edge. Let's do things the way they're supposed to be done. How's your new year going? Um, You know, I've been in quarantine
2: since the new year started. You so- got... You got Bored with Bored Ward. So who's your best friend now, Eric? Well, hold on. I think I know. Oh, there he is. There he is. Bored
3: is still here. Like, he's not going anywhere. But it's just
2: just you there. He's not much of a conversationalist. So who's your new best friend?
3: Well, I'm trying to, hold on. I'm going to do a little quick turning off of this. There he is. So you can see that is Dog Cheney. Yes, yes, Cheney, Cheney, come here, babe. Oh, what a sweet boy. He is adorable and I'll say this. He's brought some very good luck to Indiana University because the women's team won yesterday Mm -hmm. and the men's team won. So board ward with dog Cheney are two and oh. Undefeated. So that's really been my uh, new year look. Uh, I've been talking to board ward more than I should be, which is why I ultimately decided to sign up for this foster and get a living being with me. Cause I was starting to go crazy. Um, but yeah, that's been the new year. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to stay somewhat positive. I know you are on the optimistic train lately, which drives me nuts.
2: It depends on my mood of the day, but I've been in a good mood. So yeah, why not? Why not live in that space? I do have a confession to make though. Yeah and uh only my daughter knows this uh as as i think you know and the goons know i got my first electric guitar for christmas nice uh but as my wife left town we have to flee our house for a while because construction is about to start um i'm i'm with this electric guitar i'm playing it for you know a couple weeks since christmas and while while it was the guitar I chose for her to get me, kind of my first electric guitar type of thing. It arrived, people are telling me how beautiful it was. It was butterscotch with a a black pit guard. But every time I looked at it- yellow and black. I couldn't get over the fact that it looked like Purdue colors. I tried to be like, no, it's your high school colors because those are very comparable. Every time I saw it, it felt like a Purdue guitar. So after Annie left town, I wrapped it up in bubble wrap, went to a like a, a cardboard box place, shipped it back to Sweetwater in Fort Wayne, Indiana and ordered a red and white one. Holy hell, <laughs> has it come yet? No, no, no. It it won't. It's not even in stock right now. Um, But by the time we get back to town, it should be back in stock and we'll send it here. So I have like old Annie. No, but I have like a month because I told her I'm just bringing the acoustic as we leave town. So I'll find just the right moment because it is a little more expensive. Uh, But I just I was like, look, it's it's my first electric guitar. I wanted to have IU colors. Definitely not Purdue colors. Wow. Well, that, that,
3: see, that's what you get with us. That is fan commitment right there. Like not even cannot have an artifact that reminds you of that horrible school, which by the way, two days from when this podcast goes out, biggest game of the year for Indiana. I mean, biggest game of the year. Look, I don't want to belabor what's going on with this basketball team. I'll just say this. We're
2: not very good. Okay. And we're, and we're not very bad. We right. beat, no, we are exactly mediocre. We yeah, are exactly we, what our record says we are. And, and that we've we've beat the teams we're supposed to, albeit barely sometimes. And we've lost to the teams we're supposed to, albeit barely at times. Except
3: Northwestern. I don't think we should have lost to Northwestern. You're right.
2: You're right. I mean, and that was a little bit revisionist history on like how good is Northwestern? And we still don't know. And we, you're right. We should have won that game. Um, And I mean, I think where we both come out of this is like well if if this was the expectations going in and we're certainly not exceeding them up to this point that is not good enough for indiana university but here's to hope in when armand comes back things really start to click and in what is truly a murderer's row of games coming up we pull off a couple games nobody expects us to or most people don't and we start saying okay this team is starting to be Better than we thought. Because right now it's very, very meh.
3: Yeah. I look, I, I am oh I, I don't like at all the argument about oh, the conference is so good. I I am I'm sick and tired of hearing about how good the conference is. We are part of the conference.
1: Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm.
3: I, it's like people like look at the conference and go, Well, I mean. Those teams are really good. So how can you expect us to really have a great record when you're competing against those teams? We're one of those teams. <laughs> yeah. We should be one of those teams. So stop. We, the, the fan base is rationalizing and, and excusing so much to just make watching the games palatable that being mediocre and being okay And being three and three in a conference, no matter how good the conference is in year four, is not good enough.
2: No, and when you look at Holtman, you look at Underwood, you look at Howard. They have been there the same amount of time of Archie or less. And so you, you can't really go back to, well, all these other established coaches and programs, yada, yada. It's like you really start to have to to start spinning it to justify being ranked 10th in the conference.
3: Yeah. And you, and people will spin. They'll say, well, Michigan start, I mean, Beeline gave him a great team. Yes. Okay. Well, what about Ohio state? He didn't have a great team. Oh, but they were in better shape than Indiana. They, you know, they didn't have the cream players and a change of system. Oh, okay. Well, what about Brad Underwood? Well, Illinois was in really bad position. Brad Underwood came in and, uh, you know, he had a really different system. But then he really got Kofi Cockburn. And and so that changes everything. He's only got next year, he's going to fall apart because he's – it's like, stop. Just stop. Yep. We're just yep. not good enough. Okay? We're mediocre at best. And by the way, you want to prove us wrong? Win. Win the games that we, we – win the games that Indiana should be winning. Forget about what this team should be winning. Win the games that Indiana should be winning. Well, And, and there's two –
2: and there's two, there's two things there, right? It's like the direction of the program, the big picture, which I don't think any true Indiana fan can lose sight of, or we've lost who we were and want to be again, but have not been mostly for 20 years. And the comparisons to Nebraska and Tennessee football just kill me because they're so spot on. But if we start being like, yeah, we're okay to be a middle of the pack team because you know, that's a little bit better than some of the years we've experienced lately. It's like, no, 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 no. You can't, you can't lower our expectations for where the program is going. That said this season, you know, you don't want to go crazy. You don't want to just spend your whole life um, waiting to enjoy things that may never come to pass. So I really enjoyed that Wisconsin game until the second overtime. I, and I brought this up with you last night, really do like the players on this team. I think getting rid of Justin and Devante, now we're kind of left with a bunch of kids I really do like, and I like different aspects of all of their games, but now we've got to look, if Archie's been making incremental process uh, progress from season to season, and more or less the team seemed to be better at the end of the season than at the beginning, Can this be the season where they really click, Armand gets back, everybody's finding their swagger, their role, their confidence, and we start running off some three, four games in a row in conference and exceeding those expectations. I still really want that. I hope for that. I want it for these kids, Uh, you know, after seeing Archie in the presser after the Wisconsin game, I mean, that man obviously could use a break. So I'm- By the way, can we talk about
3: that for a second? Yeah. (laughs) You're you're gonna have to, for the video podcast, you got to splice in a clip. Uh, Fair enough. Because here's the deal. And no one has talked about this. The dude was dipping tobacco during the press conference. (laughs) He literally
0: was. As we traveled to Nebraska, which we're going to have to get ready for that one.
2: First question.
0: Um, But disappointed for our guys, no question.
2: Zach Osterman. He wasn't trying to hide it.
3: Wasn't trying to hide it. It's like they told him the camera wasn't on. That's what it felt like. It felt like he was told the camera is not on. Because you would just see this. Yeah, yeah, you know, tough game. You know, we played hard. (laughs) I mean, he was dipping, which, by the way, might be my favorite thing about Archie Miller so far in his tenure in Indiana. And I know there's a lot of anti-tobacco people out there, and I get it, and chewing tobacco is awful for you. But I kind of like that he was like, I'm pissed off, I'm throwing a dip in, and let's just go chaw it up.
2: Let me say, I have absolutely been there. I have absolutely been there. And I think what was so endearing about it was that it did seem so open where he's so tight and so guarded in those pressers uh, that he just seemed like so over it like he had this incredible road win four different times that slipped through their fingers and he just kind of let his hair down as much as Archie can and and it did it felt just more personal in a weird way than most of those do.
3: Uh, I want to say one more thing before we move on about um, what you were talking about, incremental improvement. And, and, and this is maybe better served for a reasonable rabbi episode. But yes, there is little to no doubt that the Archie Miller team in year four is better than the Archie Miller team in year three and two and one. There is little to no doubt. All the metrics that you can look at to judge that, say that, and even just watching them, they do seem better. Okay. Overall, I'll give you that the team tends to play better at the end of the year. Like last year's team was better at the end of the year. And even the team that lost 12 of 13 was better at the end of the year. You know, we beat Michigan state, you know, twice. I think that
2: would have been worse than the middle of that year.
3: Right. Fair enough. But all of that is meaningless unless you are incrementally better year to year at a faster rate than the teams that you are trying to catch. And I'm not talking national teams. I think every Indiana fan would say it is absolutely reasonable that Indiana should be one of the four best programs in the conference. I can't imagine there's a fan of Indiana out there who would argue that. And probably some that would say, no, we should be one of the top two, okay? But Mm -hmm. top four is perfectly reasonable. Yes. Unless Archie's year-to-year improvement is better than the four teams that are in the top that he's trying to catch, it doesn't matter. It's running a race where you're moving forward, but slower than the people in front of you. You won't catch them. The other side of it is, if your incremental year to year isn't improving like it should, or isn't catching those guys, the other place to look is recruiting. Well, are you recruiting at a higher rate than those teams you're trying to catch? Michigan has the number one recruiting class in the country for 2021. Michigan State has the number, I think 10. And then for 22, they're already at number one, but one of their players may not play. Indiana is I think 13th or 14th in the conference for 2021 and no commitments for 22. So we are not recruiting at a greater um, success rate than the top four teams in the conference or top four programs. So when we look at like our improvement, yeah, it makes us feel good when you look at it in a vacuum earmuffs and blinders but but if you are judging the program you can't look at it earmuffs and blinders you have to look at it in the context of comparing it to the teams you want to pass there's only two ways to pass them get more talent or your team improve but you have to do those things better than the teams you're competing against right now in this moment we are not
2: correct correct but i would you know like with the big 10 and i don't like the mitigation of our mediocrity by saying, oh, well, you know, nine teams are ranked in the top 25. I'm sure that's not the case now. I'm sure Michigan State's out, whatever. But in that way, it's like, okay, if we keep seeing those Ken Palm numbers steadily improve, uh, you know, again, from this season compared to last, and that rate keeps going, well, at some point you're, you're a top 15 team in the country, even if 10 other teams in the big 10 are, and and you can make noise in the NCAA tournament when time comes around. I don't think but, but some of those beautiful. other schools can sustain, you know? And to me, it's like you, the, really the tail of the tape is going to be, I, I think we all know, as long as Juwan Howard's there, it looks like Michigan's going to be in it, Michigan state, uh, Wisconsin, but, besides those three programs do i think anybody's like killing it but wait a minute purdue is better than us for the last 10 years no no i'm talking about right now and moving forward yes
3: but purdue is got better recruiting for the next two years lined up and they've been better for the last 10 years they are a healthier program
2: than us you can absolutely no i agree with that but you're not letting me get to my point which is that i'm just not sitting here saying like there's no way we can't start passing the illinois and the northwesterns and the ohio states it's just i'm just like i'm sorry with archie steady improvement if we see that again this year and next year and I'm not saying we will because we're we're not seeing the recruits yet I'm not I'm not seeing the recruits yet but I'm also but but I'm also seeing guard play that's really coming along and if you can get one big guy down there with the transfer market I don't think Logan's going to come in and replace Trace but if you have a transfer come in and Logan and Joey I'm just saying like Archie can start to pass some of the other people in the conference, and it's it wouldn't blow my mind because it's not like Holtman set the world on fire. And, yes, Underwood has some extra resources, let's say, at his disposal that's keeping him competitive this year. So I, I'm just not totally bought in on the argument that even though Archie's steadily improving nationally, that that doesn't bear out in a couple of seasons at, with better conference finishes. But
3: you are assuming that the conference foes aren't improving also. And they're Im-
2: if, if the conference no, foes- No, I are- just told you, I think some of them are going to fall off. And I think that's fair and valid. No, but why? What evidence do you have in the last 20 years that
3: Indiana can maintain an improvement? I'm in- not talking about 20 years. I'm talking about the last three years. But the last three if years, we- Archie has not improved faster than those other teams he's competing against and his recruiting is worse. So what, Eric, what,
2: it's 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 been an incredible two years for the Big Ten, as, and as both as much of us we don't want to admit that's a reason to say it's okay for us to finish in the lower half or lower third of the Big Ten. It's what Archie has done over three years. If he can sustain that, I, I think other coaches cannot, and I'm not saying he can. Right. I'm, but why? That's what I don't understand. Why can Archie Miller, who
3: you have almost zero evidence of, why can he sustain it more than
2: than 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 the coach of Illinois, more than McCaffrey, more than Chris? Oh, Collins? Well, McC- uh, M- McCaffrey, I don't believe in. He got a freak in Garza, and that guy's gone. Okay. okay and then why with more Underwood, than guard?
3: Why, uh, why more than great guard? Why more than John Howard?
2: No, I just told you, Michigan, Wisconsin, Michigan State. I I think those guys were really going to have trouble. But, hey, there's a fourth slot open there. And I'm not saying Archie can't get us into that top four in another season or two, but a lot of that is going to depend on who he can get in here next year.
3: It, It is just cutting Archie so much more slack And giving him so much more a benefit of the doubt than anyone else in the conference. It it just does not
2: stand to reason. To to me, it's just based on what I'm seeing from him year to year. But
3: you're not comparing it to what other teams are
2: doing. It's like you're saying you're seeing our year to year. If okay, so if the Big Ten continues to have nine teams ranked in the top 25, and, and, and we're a part of the top 25 conversation, really, you know, for me, we need to be top 15 program to have real shots at the final four every few years, which is what I expect. I expect every player that comes to IU needs to have a real shot to get to the final four. I think that's fair.
3: I think that if you are routinely not in the top quarter of your conference, no matter how good it is, you are not going to have that chance. And look at the top quarter of the conference that has been, the only teams that make it from the Big Ten
2: into the Final Four are the teams that win the Big Ten or are right there. But you know, but to me, that's been it. do, do no either hands. of us really think the Big Ten is going to continue to the, be this awesome? I think even I next think year there's a big drop-off. We may be a part of that drop-off, but if for whatever reason – for all our hysteria, Archie just keeps steadily improving and <laughs> and really surprises us all. Like, look, if you want to just have a one-sided argument and you just want me to no, agree with you the whole time- No, I you're not having an argument. You're think, just, you're just no, putting blinders on. No, you're... I'm giving reasons for optimism. No, and it's you're just, not. It's based on numbers. No, it's We've not. Improved. Yes, Are... it is. We've improved every year in Canada. So has Iowa, so
3: has Minnesota, so has Michigan, so okay. has every, let me give you the numbers, I have them.
2: What You're you can tell me is do us. you really think Rick, uh, 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 Dick Patino and Fran are that much better coaches than Archie? I Archie, think they because to me, that Art, they can win, not Patino not how Pitino. L- how long has it taken them to get to where they're now, finally, Fran has a really good yes, team? Whereas with Archie's far in less court. resources. With, with far less resources. But they've had so much longer to establish what they're doing right but ward who
3: cares are you saying just give archie nine years of being middling
2: so that we can see if, if we if get he there improves year to year over in Ken numbers years, that's all you care about Ken numbers no but you care about ken bond numbers and torvik i do not I, do. I care about how good the program is winning and losing if we finish as a top 15 defense top 20 defense uh we get into the 40s with offense. This year, that's a huge, like a really good improvement from last year. Academic improvement. If we finish ninth in the Big Ten, then it doesn't matter. But if that rate continues, I think those those close games start winning. Well, okay, no, it's all going to be bad. It's all going to get worse. No, but that's absolutely fact. fact, We're going to be awful no matter what. We're going to suck. You can take it any way you want to, but to me, it's way more interesting to talk about both ways. Yes, no, it's
3: much more interesting to say, if we keep on improving and the rest of the Big Ten regresses, we're going to be fine.
2: Yeah, that's entirely possible. That's just as possible. That's just as possible as your doomsday scenario. My doomsday scenario isn't. What I'm saying is if everybody... No, Ward,
3: listen, if everybody does what they've been doing for the last three years... If everybody does what they've been doing for the last three years, hear it
2: again. If everybody does. Great. We'll all be the top 10 teams in the country and we'll all be battling it out in the elite it It'll only be the big 10. Nobody nobody else. If everybody
3: continues to do what they're doing, coaching, recruiting, Indiana will continue to be behind too many teams in the big 10. That's reasonable. It is not reasonable to use three years of evidence where we have finished sixth, Eighth and tenth in the Big Ten, and to say, Archie's you're not looking at that. You're not there looking at the reality the of, of the what. Wait, can I finish the comment? Let me finish the comment. It is not reasonable to say Archie's improvement year to year on Ken Palm is going to improve, and that I have confidence that the rest of the Big Ten will
2: recede but Archie won't and therefore we will pass other teams. That's ridiculous. Yes, it is when you make big blanket statements like that. But if you look at the specifics of why Underwood is where he's at right now, and he's not gonna be there next year. Grace Jensen Frant- Davis is leaving next year. What yeah, are you talking what? about? And we're getting a ton of run for three or four freshmen.
3: What are you putting the future of Indiana on Anthony Leal, who, who is fine, But you're putting it on Anthony Leal, Jordan Geronimo, who barely plays and looks lost.
2: Christian Lander, who doesn't play at all. It's way more sustainable than what Underwood's doing. I think that's a fair argument to make.
3: It it is just it. This is I'm sorry, but this is what drives me nuts about Indiana fans. This is foolhardy, it is myopic, it is just our guy's better and we're gonna win because we're Indiana and everybody else sucks. That-
2: I just think it's boring to sit here and just lambat like both of us just pile on the same side of the argument. I don't care if it's boring, there, it's real. Let's be there's, real. There's another side of the argument, and th- probably the truth lies somewhere in between, but just to be like, yep. Nope. We're definitely going to continue to be the 10th best team in the big 10. Now look at the end of this season, to me, I'm even really just want to look at this season because to me, this team should be a team that's top 25 easily in the tournament and is a game or two within the top teams in the big 10. Now let's say, let's say a game or two within the top teams in the big 10. Am I happy with that? No. But to me, if this team realizes its potential over the course of this season it's very different than if the wheels come off and disaster strikes and in in that case i can feel myself at the end of the season believing everything i want to believe right now or completely being on your side of it because for for any of any anything i say to be valid is this team needs to continue to improve from compared to last year and from the beginning of this season and i'm i'm hopeful of that Because if not, what am I going to start doing, figuring out, you know, who comes in here next and we wait another three or four years to get back to this conversation?
3: I'm just saying the only way for this team to tangibly improve to the point where it matters is they have to either improve faster and more than the teams that are already ahead of them or recruit better than the teams ahead of them neither of those things has been true for the first three plus years, neither. We finished sixth, eighth and 10th, first three years. We did not improve year to year or throughout the year greater than the five, seven or nine teams in front of us in three years. So there's no evidence that that's happened and the recruiting has taken a a back step. So
2: that's what I'm saying. I don't think that's doing I think that's realistic. And, and I will say, because of how our brains were wired growing up, I do look at the national numbers as much or, or more so as far as where this program is going, because if we're not a top 15 program in the country. I don't care if we're top four in the big 10, that, that seems like it should be inevitable if we're a top 15 team in the country, because how, how long can the conference really sustain this level of excellence? So to me, it's like, Archie, just get us to be a top 15 team, you know, occasional year. We're like around 20, several years, you know, we're top 10, but if we're in there, that means we're going to be at the top of the conference year in and year out. And every few years, we're gonna have a real chance to go deep in the tournament. And that's what I care about. I will never be happy just competing for big 10 titles. I know Coach Knight, that was a big deal for him. And I know if you're doing that, then you have a chance at final fours. But I want banners, not numbers on banners that already exist. I want big, huge banners that stand by themselves. And that's where, if you're looking at, at like, okay, if we keep going on this path, We can get, we can get back there, but, and I'm totally with you that the recruiting is pointing in the wrong direction. Okay. So we said we did the intro before the interview, but then we were so mad at each other. Ray rang in. So now we're, we're, we're back on the intro and we're much happier and we don't have to go back to where we were, but did you want to finish a point? And I'll just agree with it.
3: (laughs) I wish you would have done that before. It would have been so much more amicable. Um, No, I I just, uh, I, I want Indiana to win every single game they play. I am excited and nervous and anxious for Thursday's game against Purdue. I do think it's the most important game in Archie Miller's tenure as Indiana coach. I really do. That's how important I think it is. I think when you take several steps back and you look at the context of what we are doing, just improving every year, in my opinion, is not enough unless it's improving every year more than the teams we need to pass, and the recruiting is better than the teams we need to pass. So far, in three years, I don't see evidence of that. And for us to change fundamentally where we exist in the, ne- in the landscape of college basketball, those two things have to change. Can Archie get us there? God, I hope so. God, I hope so.
2: I totally agree.
3: Boom. Now, uh, we'll save an update on the trustee campaign for next week, but all going well. Uh, We are in the year of the election now, so just keep that in mind. We're still putting out videos, so make sure you follow us on Twitter.
2: Wait, let let me make one point about the Purdue game because uh, it's the Purdue game. And if you talk to a true lifelong Indiana Hoosier fan, we want to win national championships. That's the thing we want the most. We want to be, be, win big 10 titles, I'd say that's the second thing we want the most, but right there in that conversation is beating Purdue. And fundamentally that really should be the first thing you can do consistently before you're talking about big 10 titles and national championships. So please, please, please let this be the year where we start beating Purdue again on a regular basis.
3: I am with you. I will say to, to your point, if you are not beating Purdue on a regular basis, if you are not going further than them on a regular basis, if you are not finishing ahead of Purdue in if, the Big Ten on a regular basis, it, you, it, you aren't as good as you should be at Indiana.
2: If you're starting to lose Southern Indiana recruits to Purdue.
3: Yes. I mean, it's just, it is just so simple. We cannot be the second best team in a conversation that includes Purdue. Period. We cannot be a second best program in a conversation that is comparing Purdue and Indiana. We can't be, I don't care how good they are. I don't, it makes no difference to me. If they're a top 10 team, we better be a top five team period. We have more resources. We have more support. We have better facilities. We have a bigger fan base. We have a greater reach. We have a greater ability to recruit on a level playing field, much better colors.
2: Our colors are far superior.
3: So that enough said about that. Um, what we have not said today is that we are, of course, powered by...
2: For those of you listening at home board ward made a prominent appearance during that siren call i'm gonna throw something out to you because sure. i think it was a week or two ago on the siren call you said you had to get to the end of your breath yeah and and just maybe for variety just to mix it up i don't know if it, does that limit you at all if you weren't worried about extending it all the way through your breath could you come with, you know, I don't, I, some wrinkles in it, shorter, longer, medium that just kind of keep the listener on their toes. I'm just planting the seed do with it. What you will
3: look, I'll, I will take that into consideration for next week. I do feel like that is just some nice end around for me, just going, we're powered by pigs. And then we move on. I feel <laughs> no, like that's no, what you're no, trying no, to
2: accomplish. Nope. 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 Just uh, just uh, variety, just variety.
3: All right. Well, I'll think about it. I mean, I don't know. Um, like I, we, we got interrupted in our intro, like Ward said, so apologize for the, um, the disjointed nature. I do want to say this though, we saved this, uh, not talking about it in our intro so that we could talk to Ray specifically about this. But clearly there was some horrible news that struck Indiana on Monday that former Indiana great Wayne Radford passed away. And Ray was a sen- uh, freshman when Wayne was a senior. And so we thought it would be good to talk to Ray about that and get his feelings since obviously he's a person who knew him well. So that's where I think our, our conversation with, with uh, Ray starts.
2: Yeah. And it was really, even as Ray was still settling in. So you'll see, he comes in right away. We'll see with the edit, but it's probably the, about the first thing he's going to say and you're going to be taken right into that. So obviously all our, our thoughts and our prayers do go to the family. Uh, Not only, Of Wayne but of the whole IU family that is saddened today by that news.
3: And and I just want to say this somewhat selfishly but also selflessly it bothers me we didn't get to talk to Wayne before he went.
2: That was my first thought.
3: And you know the similar thing happened with um, Bushy Steve Bushy. Bushy. Yes when we talked to Glenn Grunwald and we got Mm -hmm. Glenn's opinion on it. So you know, I think we're going we're gonna to try to do as much as we can to get these players that are getting up there in, in years. And obviously, Wayne was taken way too young, yeah. way too young. But I don't take it for granted that when we talk to these guys, we get a little time capsule because you never know what's going to happen. And I think you'll hear it also from from Ray, who talks about how important it is to stay in touch with with these guys and your friends from the past. So I hope in some way that that these conversations that we're having serve to memorialize these these incredible people that represent our school. Thanks so well, you, much
0: for doing this, Ray. Yeah, no problem, man. I just uh, um, I had some some pretty sad news. I know you guys are big IU fans. I found out we, yeah. today that Wayne Rafford passed away today. Yeah, you yeah. We were going
3: to for sure. We were going to talk to you about that. We know he was a senior when you were a, a freshman. Exactly. And wanted, right. we wanted to get your thoughts on on. On Wayne and and what what he meant to you as a senior coming into Indiana as a freshman and, and what kind of guy he was
0: uh, a great guy uh, very how can I say this very straightforward very very honest I, I don't want this to slip and fall Sure. Um, Wayne was a great leader great athlete and it, you probably can't see this, but I'm getting like messages like crazy coming through my phone but as long uh, as you can't see it.
3: We can't see them. No.
0: Okay, good. Cause they're, they're driving me nuts. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I bet. So, but I, I would imagine when something like this happens, the team and former teammates kind of all come together, you know, to support yeah, each I, other.
0: I'm gonna have to hold the phone, guys. Um, sure. Sorry. If it moves around. But yeah, um, um, Wayne, um, I, I contacted Mike Woodson, of course, Isaiah, Landon Turner, some other people. And um, some, of course, some former, uh, former teammates and former colleagues, and everybody's giving their condolences and stuff, and um, even the girls' basketball teams, you know that's that's to be expected. But you hate to see anybody leave this earth, but you know God knows everything, and and we all gotta make that transition one day. And but the thing about Wayne, Wayne was always man. I mean, this guy was an exceptional athlete to be six four do a lot of things you know inside the paint and he was our go-to guy my freshman year even though i started um wayne was a tough a tough cookie man wayne was bulky he he played football too and it showed when he played basketball but uh wayne was a great leader and we just matter of fact about before the pandemic hit we actually had dinner. It was a place called Joe Ellis. You guys may have heard of that. It's like a, a place where they serve, you know, chicken, fish and stuff like that. And, and I just happened to um, get with him and talk about the good old days. And mm-hmm. this guy stayed in shape. He he worked out five days a week, mm-hmm. five days a week. And one of his um, co-workers was calling me earlier this morning, was telling me about the situation. And, of course, it was sad news. It was shocking because you wouldn't expect a guy like that to just you know, um, leave this earth. And I believe mm. from what I'm hearing, it was either something to do with the heart condition or that he didn't know about, or it was just, it was just a heart attack. Oh, and, you man. know, a, a lot of athletes have those heart problems and And as you know, I was, I was thinking about this not too long ago. I was watching some old footage of Portland trailblazers. And I got a chance to talk with Buck Williams. Mm. Uh, he and I were both drafted at the same time in '81 in New Jersey. And of course, you know, he did. He did well out in Portland. And um, Kevin Duckworth, Cliff, mm. Cliff Robinson, um, uh, Jerome Kersey. A lot of these guys have left this earth, man, because of the heart conditions. So for me, what I do, I just uh, I work out regularly, but not like Wayne did. You know, I might go two, maybe three days a week lift some weights here. I used to do the treadmill a lot. I mean, I'm a big guy. I'm six nine, man. Right. Almost three hundred pounds, but a lot of that is muscle. Cause so I, I like to look good. I like to intimidate the young boys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially like when I'm training. Of course, when the pandemic, whenever it's over, I'm hoping that we can get back into the 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 gyms, of course, and work out with these young people. But a, a lot of them say, "Well, Ray, can you still dunk? I said, "If I need to, yeah." Why you want to try me? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, man, you know, but life goes on and we just got to appreciate and and think about the good things that uh, Wayne did for the university and what he did for the community and what he did for his family. So uh, my condolences go out to them. And of course, uh, you know, Godspeed, you know? Yeah.
3: Real one, one quick question on, on Wayne. So because he was a senior and you were coming in and as we all know, playing for coach Knight is, is never easy. Were there times, and we'll get into some more of that, but do you remember anything with like Wayne trying to shepherd you as a young guy on how to deal with
0: Coach Knight? Well, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Um, My freshman year, we were about maybe, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to recall, it may have been maybe three games into the season uh, early. And Wayne was late for a practice. You know, this is my first experience with Bobby Knight. And boy, was it experienced, experience. (laughs) But Wayne was late for a practice. You know, I I made it um, a valiant effort not to be late because I heard about his reputation about discipline, uh, the, the players. So Wayne came late to a practice and we were all out there on the court. And the first thing Bobby Knight would say when he comes through those curtains, Zigzags. If you don't know what that means, ask any player what that means, and they'll tell you that's those are the type of drills we first start out with. It's called defensive slides mm-hmm. for about 15-20 minutes before every practice. We hated zigzag. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, Lane uh, Lane was late, and then Knight says, "Rapper." So and so, you know, I, I can't say those things right now, but just yeah. choice words from Bobby Knight. He said, Get your beep, 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 up them stairs and run, and you don't stop until I'm tired. And I promise you guys, he ran practically the whole practice up those stadium stairs. He, if you've been in um, oh, Assembly yeah. Hall, you know those stairs go way up there, buddy. And that let me know that I would never be late for a practice, and I never <laughs> did. Wow. Never. Yeah. So, so but, but Wayne, so... getting back to the, the point you were asking, Wayne led by example, okay? Mm-hmm. And Wayne was a type of guy, he was tough-minded, and uh, he could take the constructive criticism from Coach Knight. And I, I've learned a lot by watching Wayne and so did Mike Wilson. Then when Mike took on that, that role the next year, you know, of course, I've matured a little bit and I got the chance to see how they develop and how they uh, progress and I just followed their lead. And so I think that's was a part of the reason why I became so successful at IU because of those guys. Hmm.
2: Well, Ray, we we do have the format for the show usually goes, I'll do a super quick intro, then Eric would talk for like two minutes about all your incredible accomplishments before, <laughs> during and after your time at IU. Okay. So would you allow Eric just right here to launch into that so sure. we can we can set the table for the listeners to understand the legend we are speaking with here today?
0: Well, I appreciate that, guys, you know, but um, I, I like to stay humble, but Whatever you want to ask me, hey Ray, I'll I'll, I'll do my best.
3: Ray, you stay humble. We're not (laughs) going to stay humble about you. Okay, we'll go crazy. You be as humble as you want, but (laughs) I I want to say, I I want to say this before I start this because anyone who we've talked to about you, the first word they say, besides unbelievable basketball player, is humble, and I think your humility is part of the reason why people don't necessarily realize how unbelievable of a basketball player you were. And there is no 1981 championship without Ray Tolbert and your teammates would attest to that. So let me take a step back and tell everybody who we're talking to. We're talking to a gentleman who hails from Anderson, Indiana, where he attended Madison Heights high school. And all he did there was win Mr. Basketball for the state of Indiana, 1977, his senior year. He averaged 25 points a game, 13 rebounds a game, six blocks a game, McDonald's high school, all American. He is a gentleman who went to Indiana university where he led IU in rebounding all four years. That's right. The Jersey in the background. He led IU in block shots all four years he led iu in field goal percentage all four years he had average double digits in scoring all four years he played more than 30 minutes a game all four years <laughs> he won the gold medal in the 1979 pan-american games with iu teammates mike woodson isaiah thomas and of course coached by bob knight he is 20th all-time in scoring at Indiana. He is 6th all-time in rebounds, 7th all-time in block shots. He has the second-best field goal percentage in Big Ten games ever for Indiana at 62.6%. He led the Big Ten in field goal percentage at 62.6% his senior year. He has the ninth-best shooting season ever at indiana at 588 <laughs> <a two-time>, <laughs> percent we'll take it thunderous dunks he is a two-time big 10 champion he is an nit champion he is the big 10 player of the year the year we win the national championship which also was the year that not isaiah thomas as great as isaiah was and we all know how great one of the 50 greatest players to ever play the game but he was not the Indiana MVP that championship year. Ray Tolbert was the IU MVP that year. He led the team in rebounding field goal percentage and blocks that year. 11 rebounds in the national championship game against North Carolina. An IU Hall of Fame inductee in 2011. An NBA first-round draft pick, 18th to New Jersey Nets. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to an absolute legend of Indiana basketball and one of the most humble guys that anyone will come across. Please welcome Ray Tolbert.
0: (laughs) Thanks guys. I appreciate it very much. Oh, there you go. By (laughs) the way, I saw your eyes.
3: I saw your eyes on a couple of those. You didn't even know. (laughs)
0: Well, I I, kind of knew, but you know, flashing back, there's one thing, this should be a trivia question. I was the big 10 MVP of 81, but I didn't make the all American team. I was second team all American and I was second team big 10, all big 10, but I was a big 10 MVP go figure. What is that? That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Did-
2: well, let's, let's think about what are, what are of the, the things Eric just mentioned, which are many. Did something pop out to you as, as such, such a warm memory or a, a real thing that, you know, when you're driving around uh, you're going to sleep at night that you think about and it just really makes you happy above all the others.
0: Well, You know, I I keep going back to 81, of course, with the championship, being a senior, going out on top. And a lot of people say, you know, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have won. But I always say, man, it's Landon Turner. Mm -hmm. If Landon Turner didn't wake up and do what he had to do, I doubt it very seriously if we'd be talking about 81 championship. That's how much I feel for Landon. And of course, Isaiah, he was going to do his thing anyway. And a quick story about that. Yeah. When we lived in Bloomington uh, off campus, it's called the Fountain Park Apartments. I don't know if you guys knew where that was or knew where it is. Yeah. I don't know if it's still there or not, but man, '81 was a long time ago. But anyway, <laughs> um, so we were getting ready to go to class. I was in my car. Landon was getting ready to get in his car, and of course Isaiah had that little bitty. Uh, it was called a Hornet, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't. I, he doesn't drive that now. Trust me.
1: Could you,
3: even, could
0: you even fit in the Hornet? I didn't, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to the, and then Landon said, this is what Landon said before we actually got into the Big Ten uh, stretch. He said, man, Ray, man, you're a senior and you're about to go out, man. And Isaiah, I know you're about to go hardship. I got to get my act together. <laughs> like, so we both looked at Landon and said, you better, because if you don't, we're not going to win. That's a true story. He'll tell you, wow. Isaiah will tell you the same thing. And then once Landon realized that he had a chance to be a great player, he became that. And of course, you know, back in July of 81, he had an accident. So, But otherwise, I really believe in my heart that he would have been the number one draft pick that following season. And uh, wow. because he was that good and we were hoping for the best, Red Auerbach still drafted him as a gesture to Landon. Of course, I think Coach and I had a lot to do with that too, but that really made Landon feel good because you just never know, man. Because uh, things can happen, miracles do happen. But for Landon, you know, he's been in that chair for a long time since '81, and but he's doing great. He's uh, he has um, he has property, he has things he's invested in, and I tell you what, man, Landon gets around better than I do. And that's
3: <laughs> <the guy. laughs> uh, it, it actually. You know, look, as Indiana fans, uh, I think the thing that makes us most happy besides winning championships is knowing that the players that played for them still have a relationship. It, it, like, warms our heart to know that you still talk to these guys. Is Landon somebody who you have kept in touch with over the years?
0: I, I contact Landon probably three to four times a week. And wow. if, we don't, if we don't talk, we text And uh, of course, we always talk about basketball and everything like that, but Landon, I consider Landon one of my best friends to this day.
3: That's incredible. I mean, that again, it speaks to how special that team was, you know, because I think the things that separate as we all know, and have been told by people like you, the things that separate the great teams from just good teams are that there is something else going on between the camaraderie, between the guys on the team.
0: Absolutely, you have to have a chemistry you have to believe in each other and you have to look out for each other. And we just carried that over, you know, to our everyday lives. And we may not contact each other as we should, as often as we should, especially the way people are leaving this earth. But we made it a a pact that we would stay in contact with each other more often than not because of what's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, Landon, I consider him a great friend. I, I stay in contact with Isaiah, of course, Mike, you know, and, Um, all the guys there are some guys who we don't fellowship with at all because of their choice not mine because i feel like there's an old saying in the bible that you know in order to have friends you must present yourself friendly you know Hmm. and so i've always been one who try to reach out and try to make amends and atone for things that may have happened on the court because I was pretty mean on the court. Man. I, <laughs> I, I took a lot of people out. I took a lot of my teammates out because I just wanted to win. <laughs>
3: yes. Well, we're glad you did. Let's Let, uh, uh
2: well, go ahead, just, To just get us uh, oriented where, where you're at now physically, what's going on in your life, just give the IU fan base an update on the life of Ray Tolbert 2021 style.
0: Well, I'm still 6'9". I've lost a lot of hair. (laughs) Not as much as some Uh, of us, Ray. Not as much as some of us. And uh, I can still bench press about 285 pounds. I still work out a little bit. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm pretty strong. Like I said, the young people always try, they always try you, but when they find (laughs) out, they leave you alone very quick. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I I live in, um, outside of Indianapolis, I live in the Fishers area. And I go up to Anderson pretty much like three times a week because I now minister up in Anderson at Miracle Faith Temple Church. And um, I've been there for pretty much all my life, coming back and forth from, uh, of course, playing basketball overseas and in the pros. I came back to help my mom when my my father passed away. Um, I'm pretty much running uh, the ministry now. And um, of course, you know, in ministry, sometimes you have challenges, sometimes you have issues, but overall, it's all about love and respect for all mankind. And so um, I I am married. I have a daughter who's playing for West Virginia, Westland. She's a sophomore and uh, she's doing pretty good in nursing. I'm proud of her. And um, that's about it, man. I mean, otherwise I'm just, I I retired. So I'm, I'm not living the life I want to live, but I'm okay. I, huh. I can't complain. I, I can go. And get what I need and get what I want. But the thing is, I don't go get the things that I, I want. I go get the things that I need so I can help others.
2: Let let me ask you about something Eric alluded to last night. Okay. Uh, that that you uh you you play the bass.
0: Oh yeah, man. Let me let me give you uh here, oh, check let's, it out.
2: Let's see this. <laughs> that,
0: that, can you see that?
2: Oh, oh yeah, yeah.
3: Pan down, down a little bit, pan down a
0: little bit. I play keyboards. Yes. Yeah man, I'm 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 what they call a multi, multi-faceted. <laughs> you're you're
2: a musician. You're not a bassist yes, or a
0: keyboard player, you're a musician. Yes sir.
3: So tell us where that started. How did how did that come to be?
0: Well, growing up in the church primarily, um, my brother is a great singer, my sister is a great singer, and uh, they both play keyboards and uh, my dad played for a gospel group called the, mm. excuse me, called the Heavenly 5. Um out of Anderson, and pretty much all those members are deceased except for maybe one or two, and we're all good friends. We still stay in contact. Um, so I used to watch my dad play guitar, and because I was left-handed, I started playing the guitar upside down, and then just like Wayman Tisdale does, or yeah. he did. And so um so Wayman and I got a chance to hook up one time when we were doing a a basketball camp back in the 80s with Antoine Carr and James Carr and Rolando Carr from Wichita State in Kansas. And Wayman uh, would take his bass everywhere he wanted to go. And he didn't realize that I played the bass the same way. I said, Man, is that your bass? He said, Yeah. Uh, I said, You play, you left handed? He said, Yeah. He said, But you play upside down? He said, Yeah. I said, Let me see it. So I got to popping and slapping on that but He said, Man, you can play. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Yeah, man. We know he he grew up in church, and I grew up in church. So I I I kind of followed my dad's lead playing the guitar. But it was easier for me to play the bass guitar because I got them long fingers, man.
3: <laughs> now, what what will you play? Like, do, do you go play the bass just because it helps relax you? Is that like your meditation?
0: Oh, oh man, that, that that's therapy, man. Yeah, bass guitar. You know, I I'm I'm that old school guy, man. I play that old school folk, You know, Larry Graham." Um, Brothers Johnson, you yes. know
1: some
0: of that. And Axel Landon, you ever get a chance to talk to Landon? I kept Landon from quitting IE by coming to his room playing my bass guitar. <laughs> really? Yes, sir. Wow! <laughs> hey, I love you Landon. You cannot leave, man. Let me give you some jams. So I started jamming. <laughs> <on> the- <laughs> yeah, I-, I just knew, man. I just knew that once Landon got rolling, we were rolling. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. But yeah, it's a a long story, but I've been playing. I've I've been teaching myself on the keyboards. I play praise and worship. Um, You know, we got some great musicians there, but when they're not there, I just sit in with them, man, and just jam. You know, I I watch them and learn and practice at home.
3: Can you play the Indiana Fight song? No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can hug it. Okay. <laughs> Don't know the words. I just say da, 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 ay, you That's joke. good enough. Good
2: enough, my friend. and in, indulge me with one more question along these lines. Sure. What sure. what are some parallels between music and basketball playing with a group of musicians playing on a basketball team? It,
0: it's it's the same formats, man. You, first of all, you gotta practice home in on your skills. Um, You got to work together and you just got to be on the same page. I mean, there's an old saying, everybody has a different style when you play keyboards or guitar, but you may have a different style, but if you're singing, if you're playing the same song, if you come into a rhythm and you can um, conglomerate that it makes, it makes, it makes beautiful music. So you have to have a love and a passion for it, basketball, music wise. Um, you just have to stay focused and trust and believe in yourself and work together to get better. And so that's what we do.
3: So back in Anderson, Indiana, growing mm-hmm. up, did you find music before you found basketball or, or was that around the same time? And, and walk us through how you found basketball.
0: That, that's a great question. Actually, it was music first because I grew up in church you know, all my life. I was raised up in church. My, <clears throat> my, my parents started ministering when I was six years old. And so I didn't really start playing basketball uh, officially, I could say organized wise until I was like fifth grade, sixth grade. Wow. I actually I actually uh, was cut from my sixth grade team uh, I guess because the coach didn't like me, but come <laughs> to find out when the principal found out, he let the coach go and put me back on the team. <laughs> Because I was in the sixth grade, I was six feet tall. I didn't really know a lot about basketball, but I kept growing. By the time I was in the seventh grade, I was dunking a basketball. And so um, I grew from six feet to like when I was a freshman in high school, I grew from six feet to six, six. And then by the time I was a senior in high school, I grew up to six, nine. I kind of wanted to be seven feet, but. Hey, I'll take 6-9.
3: Yeah. Uh, now, I, I understand that there was a player that, if, if I read this correctly, that you really did idolize, that preceded you at Indiana University by some years. But who was that? And, uh, and what was it about him that, that so shaped you?
0: I think you're probably talking about Mr. Bobby Wilkerson. That's right. Bobby Wilkerson was probably the toughest all-around player that I've ever encountered. I tried my best to beat Bobby one on one with everything I had. Bobby says, "Nah, you ain't got <laughs> enough. Nah, now nah, Ray, you can jump, but I can shoot. Now nah, Ray, I'm strong. I'm smarter than you." I said, "Okay, one day I'm gonna catch you." And I finally got him in a pickup game. I finally got him. I was the, I was the happiest person in Anderson. I beat <laughs> the great Bobby Wilson. Just one time, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's amazing how how um, life kind of you know proceeds because when Bobby came out in um, I think it was seventy six, yes, yeah, seventy six, they won the championship undefeated. I remember there's a guy by the name of Charlie Hughes. He's he's deceased now. He had a great organization with the A.A.U. He would sponsor a lot of guys and he would he brought the the AAU championship to the Wigwam at the time it was open, 9,000 plus fans. And he had Quinn Buckner, Scott May, and Bobby Wilson. After they won the championship, there was a I don't know which dealership it was, but they had Corvette Steam Rays. Uh-huh. And they all they all drove up to Anderson and came to the game and in the Corvette Stingrays? Guys, stingrays, man, Corvette Stingrays. <laughs> yes, sir. And when me and my friends saw them take off, and they were like, you know, having fun, chasing each other down, down the street. And I told my friend, Tony Adams at the time, I said, Tony, one day I'm gonna be in that same situation. I'm gonna win and I'm a, but, I kept I kept getting bigger, so I couldn't fit in a Corvette, but <laughs> but I, I did get a at the time it was it was a Dodson two eighty ZX. They said, man, how you fit in there? I said, I let the seat all the way back. <laughs> 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 and so that was my first car. It wasn't a Corvette, but baby, it it could run. And so that was my first car. And uh, I remember those times. And I and I tell you what, man, it's it's a great feeling when you come back to Anderson, you go back to the the courts at Hazelwood. And you see the young cats, the, the, the young kids are saying, hey man, you know, I'm Andre, I'm I'm Bobby Wilkerson, I'm I'm Andre Morgan, I'm Roy Taylor. Now nah, man, I'm Ray Tolbert. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, man, yeah you be <laughs> right,
2: man. <laughs> I love that. Now Ray, Ray you you, yeah. you were talking about uh just happy to get one game on Bobby. But from what I looked into, you said you weren't even the best athlete in your family that your older brother was even even a greater athlete, but he chose a different path so you could go on yours. Could you talk about that?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, my brother David. um, He's two years older than me. David was an exceptional athlete. He could play football, baseball. His basketball game was kind of suspect because he didn't shoot the ball correctly. He shot in the back of his head. I don't know why because he would never jump on his shot. He would hold it back there until you jump, then he would release it. So <laughs> it, it took me a long time to figure that out. But once I finally got him, he stopped playing me one-on-one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but David was a great athlete and he he saw the potentiality that I had. And because you know we kind of grew up with, in poverty, poverty-stricken situations, my brother decided to quit sports and get a job and help out with the family. So I, I owe a lot of, a credit to my brother for sacrificing his career for me.
3: Can you, talk, can you talk about, we, we often hear that there is a parent, a parental figure that is, is key in pushing somebody who had tremendous success in, in athletics. Can you talk about uh, your background, your parents, and, and was there a, a, sp- a special person for you?
0: Well, pretty much, uh, you know, my dad worked a lot. Whenever he could find a job, he would be always on the road and work in different places. And so my mom pretty much took care of us at home. And and she always told us that whatever you choose to do, make sure you do it the best of your ability because you got to work twice as hard and, and be twice as good and to make it in this world. And so she always told me, if you choose a situation, stick with it. If you can take it, you can make it. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of stuck stuck with me. So my mom was a very... Uh, uh, influence in my life because being a being a a, 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 min, a woman minister, a lot of times she was uh, ridiculed. She was talked about. She wasn't allowed in certain uh, podiums at, in churches, mm-hmm. and, and then she became very uh, prominent in the in, in the city of Anderson and other other areas. But looking back at it, my mom persevered. She never quit, even though there was a lot of um, animosity towards her as being a a, a woman of the cloth. And so I took that as a motivation to say if my mom can do it, she can stick with it, so can I. So she really influenced me not to give up and not to quit. And there were times I wanted to quit at Indiana University.
1: I'm sure
3: we're (laughs) getting
0: (laughs) with it.
3: I am curious real quick about your background in the church because Mm -hmm. we've talked to several people where They grew up in the church and then later in life found the church also, but there might've been a period when they were younger where it was like, I'm going to reject that for a little bit and do my thing. Did you have that in your life as a kid growing up with, with the parents that were so involved?
0: Being a preacher's kid, everybody has those experiences. It's called being a prodigal son. And so (laughs) when I went out and played professional, you know, man, I, I was, I was out there living the life and, uh, it's no secret if you never had money before if you never had prestige like that before if you've never had opportunities to do things you always want to do you're going to go out there but of course you know after a while you start to mature and you realize that the good lord is pulling you back into his graces where you need to be because man all the decisions and choices i made back then i'm just i just thank god i'm still alive because uh, there were times when man with you know people would. Know, put a gun to your face or a knife to you and uh, you know, do this and that. But growing up in the hood, I knew what I had to do. I had to talk quick. <laughs> <laughs> and plus being 6'9", you know, at the time, 245, I didn't have a whole lot of enemies. But right. but you, have, you just have to um, be thankful that you survived, especially in these times we talked about earlier. Man, a lot of my good friends, a lot of their parents are gone because of the pandemic, because of age and pre-existing conditions. And it's just tough. But you have to just thank God that you still here. You have a purpose in life. And just like what you guys are doing, maybe this uh, um, this podcast will help somebody along the way not to give up, not to quit. uh, Believe in themselves and, of course, believe in the, the good Lord. So that's why I'm here.
2: You mentioned your mom said, when you decide what you're going to do, you got to work twice as hard and be twice as good. Do you remember a a moment when you were like, basketball is the thing. It's going to take me in my life where I want to go.
0: Well, believe it or not, my mom and dad, again, they worked so many hours and stuff. They were tired. They didn't come to any of my high school games until like I was a senior Mm -hmm. because they realized I was getting ready to go to uh, um, a higher level. And, and from that point on, they never missed the game. And, but I, did, it, I didn't let that bother me because I just wanted to play and have fun. My, my ideal was to get to high school, go to college and eventually go pro. But for a minute, I thought that when I got a chance to play in an all-star game with Magic, Magic Johnson out at the... Um, was the 1977 McDonald's classic. Um, I saw Magic, I saw Eugene Banks, I saw Jeff Ruhlin, some of these great players, Eddie Johnson, who's still a commentator for the uh, Phoenix Suns. It's amazing, man, how life, you know, can change you. But at that time, Magic could see that I was just as good as he was. As a matter of fact, a lot of people don't notice, I was the most highly sought-after athlete more than Magic, and Mm. so, I I chose to, and a lot of people don't know this. Believe it or not, that 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 uniform right there could have been black and gold.
2: Uh, uh, this is a real this. I, I knew this this sore spot was going to come up for us, Ray. Uh, <laughs> that that this was going to be a touchy subject. We were going to yeah, get man. into. <laughs> um, I, I think that might be jumping just like a step ahead before we get to this very <laughs> consequential point in your life, uh, where you chose Bloomington, let's just quickly talk about those teams you were on at Madison Heights, how good they were and, and just the feeling of going and winning sectionals and regionals and high school single class basketball.
0: Yeah, um. Our former coach, rest so soul, uh, Phil Buck, uh, he was different. He was like a a small version of Bobby Knight. <laughs> so, but uh, and to this day, man, my real name, God-given name, is Ray Lee Tober. So people call me Ray Lee. So when I hear, "Hey Ray Lee," I'm thinking they're from Anderson. <laughs> right? But Phil Buck, he knew how to get under my skin. He would say, "Hey Raymond Lee." I'm like, Coach, my name's not Raymond. <laughs> and so he told Bobby Knight that story. And Bobby Knight started calling me Raymond Lee uh, just to no. get under my skin. Uh, and to this day, people think my real name is Raymond Lee. Uh, it's not. It's Ray Lee And my mom would get so upset.
1: <laughs> she's like,
0: that's I, not Ray what Lee, I named Ray, him. <laughs> <it's> Raymond Lee. <laughs> but that's anyway. Great. But um. Yeah, Coach Buck was um, he believed in the zone defense, zone press. And my sophomore and junior year, I think we had one of the biggest front lines in the state of in the state of Indiana. Uh it was myself at 6'9, Chris Falker, 6'6 six, six and a 6'7, and Jonathan Watson was 6'8. Wow. And we had our guards were 6'4 and 6'1, and we had another guard 6'2. So when we got into the zone defense, it was hard to get past us. So we were playing teams like Marion with Dave Colescott, uh, Muncie North with Phil Eisenbarger. Mm -hmm. Um, They had Dave Durson. They had, uh, of course, Sammy Drummer. Some of these names you might remember, you might think about. We had some, and Anderson, of course, had some of the greatest athletes uh, from Anderson High School, Highland, and Madison Heights. I mean, every game that we played was like a sectional game. So when the sectionals finally came around, we were used to the crowds. We were used to the pressures. We were used to all the, the, the hoopla. And so when we got a chance to get out of the sectionals, we knew that we had a pretty good chance of going pretty far. And one of the most disappointing things that happened for me is when we played my junior year, we played up in the Fort Wayne, uh, Fort Wayne's uh, semi-state. We had one the sectionals, one the regionals. And then we went to the Fort Wayne semi-state and we played against a team called Fort Wayne North. They had a guy by the name of Frank Thomas, whose son ended up winning a championship at Pike. His name was Chris Thomas. Oh, yeah. And so Frank Frank was doing this thing. He was a great player, but we had shut him down. And Chris Farker, who was a senior, and Jonathan Watson, who was a senior, they had some of the worst games that you could imagine. So with my competitiveness, I said, look, man, I'm going to take this game over. And so I ended up scoring 18 points and 18 rebounds, but there came a point at the end of the game. We were, I think we were down one and it was about seven seconds to go. I had hit like five or six jump shots in a row. And I went up to shoot the ball And I saw my teammate under the basket. It was Jonathan Watson. As I was getting ready to shoot, they had guys running at me. And we called him Nene. His nickname was Nene. We passed the ball to Nene and he missed the layup. And I said, if I could ever get that opportunity back again, we probably could have been playing Dave Colescott and Marion for the the semi-state championship because we were looking past Fort Wayne North. And of course, you know, Marion put a hurting on them, but you know, that's another story. (laughs) But um, That was probably the most disappointing part of my high school career, but winning sectionals and regionals was a blessing and um, it was fun. And I just wish we could've won a state championship like my mentor, Bobby Wilkerson did. Well, get get to the finals in 72, like Bobby did. All
3: right, so now let's get to how the college choices started coming. We got to get over this before we get to the good stuff. So walk right. us through how it happened that it was anything but Indiana. Just walk us through it.
0: Well, of course, like I said earlier, we had a lot of, I had a lot of opportunities to play for like say Wichita State, Illinois State, um, UCLA, <sighs> so, what's that? Michigan State, There's, uh, there was uh, Minnesota, of course, all the Big Ten schools, even even Anderson University sent me a letter, which I, I kind of chuckled at. They I had said, to try. Yeah, I mean, the Bible says ask. Right. <laughs> I, was, I, I, I was very flattered by that. But I got a chance to go to, uh, I had a chance to go to UCLA or Michigan State because I want to play with Magic. You know, I want to be with those guys, Kelser, um, Jay Vincent, and all those guys. But uh, <clears throat> what happened, as I went to the, the Indiana All-Stars, you know, I was voted Mr. Basketball, and I really didn't think that I was going to be Mr. Basketball. Honestly, didn't. I wanted to be. Of course, every athlete, every kid does, but there was a guy out of um, um, was it, uh, Gary, Gary, was it Gary, no, Gary Gary West of Washington. He played for, I played, think he played for Washington uh, okay. by the name of uh, Drake Morris. Drake Morris was a great athlete, exceptional athlete. And for some reason, I was voted Mr. Basketball because Drake had went to the finals, state finals, two times in a row. Oh, Unfortunately, wow. they lost to, uh, I think it was Carmel one year. I can't remember the other team they lost to. But I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to get Mr. Basketball. They're going to probably give it to Drake. But there was a game that I played against Newcastle. Uh, Steve Offer's dad, Sam offered. I scored. I, I could be wrong but I thought it was like 39 points and 29 rebounds and 16 block shots. <laughs> and so when, <laughs> yeah, That's when silly. When, when, when all the other coaches found out that I could do that and they started watching me, they started voting for me because man, I, I could jump out the gym. I could bring the ball up. I was doing stuff like a big dog was doing at Purdue ironically, yeah. but um and so when we got to the all-star games, we lost both games, unfortunately, because then we had a great, we had a great cast, but we just had a lot of issues on the team. And so. Jealousy. So got, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Animosity, jealousy, whatever you want to call it. And I'm, I'm just saying to myself, man, I just want to win. I just, we could all be you know, teammates and half the guys were going to IU with me, but right. everybody felt like they should have been Mr. Basketball. So. I had to prove them all wrong in the practices like I always do. And I had to let them know who I was. And then, so we had played in a, a, a charity game against the junior all-stars and we won the game. And so I got, I went over to uh, one of the players and was gonna give him some love, give him some dap, you know, give him a high five. He said, nah, sucker, nah, nah, man, we, we not cool. I'm like, what? And so, after that, once we played in Kentucky, we lost. I had like 19, 20 points. We came, to, we came to Market Square Arena at that time. We lost. I had about 19, 21 points. And I was so I I was so upset that I asked him, uh, it was Don Bates who was over the, I think it was the Indianapolis Star at the time. He, he was over all the, the programming and whatever. And he went not let me have my indiana all-star jersey i said really i said i tell you what you can have that jersey you can have all this stuff i'm out of here and after that he said no ray you can have the jersey. I said, man why would you want to give it to me now when i've asked you for it so you can have it. give it to whoever you want i walked out of there and never looked back and so i went to a an iu purdue game up in west lafayette because i was being recruited heavily by fred shouts um uh, George Favor, who is now owner of B Windows, and mm. Roger Boyla was the coaches there. And of course, I just love Frank Kendrickson. And Frank Kendrickson and I, and Walter Jordan and I are still friends to this day. And uh Arnett Hallman. I, I, I stay in contact with all of them except for one guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so um at that time, after the game, I do believe um Purdue won. And I think Kit Benson was a senior, I think Kit had hurt his back at that game against Joe Barry, I'm not sure. But I went back in the back after the game and somebody spilled the beans. I had no idea this happened. And Roger Blaylight came up to me and said, hey Ray, man, we can't wait to sign you, man. We're gonna be real good next year. We just signed Drake Morrison. I said, you did what? He said, we signed Drake. I said, oh, really? And you didn't sign me first? He said, well, we figured if we could sign Drake, we can get you. I said, man, I, I think Greg, Drake's a great guy and everything, but we just never got along, man. I don't think it's going to work for me here with Drake. So instead of me going to UCLA or going to Michigan State, I went to IU so I could play Purdue four times. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and so that, that, that was a rivalry between he and I. So... Wow. I mean, right. think, think, think about this, guys. Think about this. Purdue has always had some great teams. You know, when they had Lee Rose, of course, with the time it was fresh out, then Lee Rose came in, and then, of course, Gene Katie. But um, in 1979, we won the NIT championship against Purdue. Yeah. 1980, Purdue beat us down in Kentucky in the regionals to go on to the final Four. 1981, we won the NCAA championship. And unfortunately, Purdue didn't make it. But think about those teams. Of course, I was supposed to have gone to Louisville too. But that's another story.
3: So <laughs> <laughs> you're just hitting all the rivals. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. So I, I wanted to stay kind of close to home. But my mom persuaded me to go to Indiana University. And here's another true story. When I was playing against Highland in, in the um, in, at the Anderson Wigwam, Fred that came into the locker room before Bobby Knight did. He says, Ray, great game. We can't wait to sign you. We'll see. I said, yeah, Coach, uh, thanks a lot. I think I had scored like 44 points that game. And so then all of a sudden, the locker room got real quiet. Here comes Bobby Knight. Roll up his sleeves. He says, Tolbert, you're going to IU, and we're going to win a championship. See you later. <laughs> he turned around and walked out. He be. And I, I, was mean, like, I said that guy's crazy. <laughs> All right, so
3: let's get into that though a little bit because what what did you know about Bobby Knight before you met him? And then what was your impression? Was that like your first impression that he was just crazy? Cuz ultimately you were going to agree to play for him even though you were agreeing to play against Purdue. What was it? <laughs> what was it for you? Was it just mom was telling me to go to Indiana, so I'm going to listen to mom? Well, or like, What was she, it?
0: She was persuading me to stay in the States. You know, it could have been, you know, Indiana State. It could have been, you know, of course, IU, Purdue, Butler. Um, I was recruited heavily by all the Indiana teams, of course. Valparaiso, you name them. But uh, I decided to uh, go to IU because when Knight came and recruited me, he says, Tolbert, I'm, I'm gonna tell you this much. I'm not gonna promise you you're gonna start, but I will promise you this: you will be the best basketball player you could possibly be, and you're gonna get a you're gonna get an education, and we're gonna do the best we can to make sure that that you are successful." And that stuck with me,
1: hmm.
0: and I was like, "Wow, the man is genuine." But I didn't know how crazy he was when I got into the practices, <laughs> but. Once I got to the practices, I was like, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? But (laughs) after I kind of, you know, dealt with the trauma of the the, of the onset and then I figured that, well, if if Bobby Wilkerson, Scott May, Quinn Buckner and Jim Cruz and, you know, Wayne Raffer and all those guys could do this, I'm sure I could, too. But at the time, after Kent Vincent left, they didn't really have a center. And so I played out of position for four years. And when we finally got Landon, I was so happy because he was going to play center. Come to find out, Knight kept me at center because I could Google the ball better. I could shoot better at the time because Landon was a great scorer. And once Landon got going, I said, well, maybe he'll move him to the five spot. He never did. So I was like, oh, man. So I played out of position for four years and I went from averaging over 20 points a game to 10 points a game. So... That kind of really hurt me personally, but I sacrificed my game for the betterment of the team. So that's one thing being successful has its challenges, has its issues, but you got to get, you got to move selfishness out the way for the betterment of the team. So I've always been a team player. So I played the role setting screens, you know, rebounding, blocking shots, helping out my teammates. But if you, if you, if you go back and look at some of the old footage, especially against Maryland, when we played Maryland in the championship run in '81, I was shooting threes, and we didn't have a three-point line. <laughs> right
2: now, but, when coach uh, when when coach promised he would make you the best basketball player that you could be, there's the idea of uh, an individual and the skills and everything that could translate to possibly an NBA success. Or there's also the idea of the best basketball player you could be in terms of being a part of a team and a winning team. So where where did it come out for you on that? And when you looked at your career after IU, do you think he really came through on that, or did that somehow encumber your your individual success later?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I think I think what it did it, it prepared me for life. You know, because if I can get through those four years, I, I always say five years because the them the Pan Am games was like an extra year for me, <laughs> but um, I think, I think it, it, it really helped me uh, mature more, become uh, more focused in life. And even though my, my basketball career wasn't like I dreamed for it to be, I, I can say that I, I did get a chance to get there. And a, a couple of things that happened, I had, I was promised by Paul Silas that I was going to be the eighth pick. At the time, he was coaching the San Diego Clippers. Mm -hmm. But at that time, they had changed ownership, and they had a guy by the name of Donald Sterling who bought the team. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want a player like me. He chose Tom Chambers. And so that's when everything kind of went down for me. So I ended up 18th pick with New Jersey who already had Buck Williams, Albert King, Lenny Elmore, Sam Lacey. So, and Larry Brown wasn't really a big fan of Indiana players at the time. And so I was only there for like a few months and then I was quickly traded to Seattle. And so that's how it all started, man. But getting back to Bobby Knight preparing me, he prepared me for the rough challenges that was ahead of me that I didn't even really know about, but he prepared me in a way that I could take it. and so. It, it, it wasn't something that I look forward to going through, but having that experience really enabled me to be who I am today.
3: Well, let's talk about those practices. <laughs> so you, get, you get to campus, you're you know, mm-hmm. feeling good about yourself. Now, you do come, you mentioned it, but you are replacing a legend. You, know, you are replacing Kent Benson, who has Big won ring. a championship. Yeah. He mm-hmm. was you know, number one pick of the draft. You know, I mean, you are replacing a, <clears throat> just a fixture at Indiana. Yeah. And you're playing for Bobby Knight. So walk us through what it was like, your first practice, and what you remember of it.
0: But remember I said earlier, when we when he walked through the curtain, he said, zigzags? Yeah. <laughs> that was shocking. Because we're out there, you know, shooting hook shots, jump hooks, and, you know, doing dunks. He says, I don't want to see that. <laughs> I hear no more we're going to work on defense, we're going to work on setting screens, we're going to work on shot fakes until you get tired and drop. And we're going to run until you drop. I was like, oh my goodness. The fun went out the door. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, but we were so focused and uh, he would have us have notebooks. We had to write like journals every day and write, against, write um, things that, that we had to work on to be better things to improve on and, and the things that we uh, habits that we had to get rid of. And so when it came time to prepare for, for, for games, we had to write down as we were watching films, we had to write down the things that the people that we want to be guarding all the, their whole offense, what they do, what their guards do, what the centers and forwards do. We were so prepared that we knew what the team was going to do better than they did. Hmm. And I think that was a part of the success. But it, it wasn't easy. But if you were well-prepared, it, it makes things easy. And it, it looked like we were not the greatest athletes. All of us were not, but some of us were. And so, but we were so prepared. It made it seem like we were great athletes, but some of the guys couldn't, couldn't jump and boil water at the same time. <laughs> you know, you
3: Did you keep but, the notebooks? No,
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you were ready to get rid of those as quickly as you
0: could. You don't guys. want to get that triggered notebook, man. No, man. We, as soon as, as, as soon as we left Bloomington to go, you know, to, uh, Philadelphia, I took the notebook with me, but after the game, when we won against North Carolina, i never seen that book again. <laughs> Somebody probably took it and made made a memoir out of it. I didn't care. <laughs> All right, well,
3: let's talk, though, about your freshman year, because although Coach Knight didn't promise you anything, you started every game that season except for one. You were put in right away, and you had success right away, and you guys were thrown into the fire from a a team standpoint. You played number one Kentucky your second game of the year. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Just what was it like now playing at this level of basketball?
0: For me, I – It it was easy for me because I just loved the competition. I didn't care who we played. I just had an attitude like, whoever you are, you either going to get your shot blocked or you're going to get dunked on. That's how (laughs) I looked like it. And so I I knew for four years, Coach Knight never ran one play for me, but he ran plays for Mike Woodson, Wayne Rafford, Isaiah Thomas, Randy Whitman, Ted Kitchell, but never for me. But that's okay, because he knew if I was frustrated enough, I was going to go up and get me a putback dunk, or I was going to get the ball and steal it and go up and, and dunk the ball some kind of way. I was going to get my points. I, I got them the hard way. But um, looking back at it overall, um, I do believe that, like I said earlier, playing for Bobby Knight was a challenge, but playing for Bobby Knight was beneficial. He taught me the game, and so I I carried that over into life as a coach, as a trainer, as a disciplinarian, uh, a no-nonsense guy. I mean, I've learned how to mellow out and have fun, but when it comes to getting better and perfecting what you have to do, you have to really work hard at it. You have to believe in yourself. You have to focus. You have to come ready to get better and prepare yourself for the outcomes, and so I, I, I carried it over with me. So- that's my lesson in life, I guess. <laughs> so that well, is a good one. And you're
2: getting really great lessons about the up and down nature of of what college basketball is going to be in these four years where you, you guys start off really well, but then you, you're beating uh, number two Notre Dame, number 11 Iowa, right. but then you lose five of six, including at Purdue. But, that was but, tough.
0: That yeah. was tough to me. You Let probably had me.
2: never lost five of six games in your life. No. What, what were you going to say about the Purdue game?
0: Let me share this with you. Remember that guy I told you about in the Mr. Basketball era? Drake Morris? Yeah. And so they, my fresh, the first time we played them up, there, they beat us. I wanted that game so bad. The only thing I regret about my college career, I never won a game in Purdue. Never. Mm-hmm. All four years, I never won a game. But they never beat us down at IU either. So it kind of balanced out. But anyway. Yeah. After the game, Drake Morris walks into our locker room. Yeah, man. Hey, yeah, guys. Good game, man. Good game, man. And as he was running out, he said, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> man, you know those cartoons where you see the steam coming out of your hair? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's how I was. I said, man, I, I got to get back at this cat. But I never got a chance to really, you know, do damage because of the role that I played at IU. Because I, I wasn't... Uh, the go-to guy like a Calvert Cheney or Mike Watson or Isaiah Thomas. But when I got a chance to put one down on him, I did.
3: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I want to talk about that because I've watched as many clips of you as I could. I've watched, you know, the the games from the 81 championship that that are on mm-hmm. that you can get on YouTube and stuff like that. There are guys who dunk the basketball. <laughs> and then there are guys who dunk the basketball. There you you are in the latter group you you dunked with a ferocity that was yeah. scary where did that come from was it a choice and and just talk a little bit about what was going through your head every time you got to just rattle the rim
0: um i was taking my frustrations out on the rim because of what night our was treating me <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was motivation from him maybe it was genius motivation I, I just I just love I just love the game, man. I, I love the dunk. You know, I tried to get up as high as I could to entertain the crowd. And there were a couple of times, I think when you said the Notre Dame game when we played, uh, I guess, I think it was Bruce Flowers. I don't, Bill Lambert may have been there. I'm not sure. I can't recall. It's been a while. But I think Bruce Flowers and Bill Lambert were there. Of course, Orlando Woolworths, uh, Tracy Jackson, Kelly Chapuka. They had a great team up at Notre Dame. And I think Bill Lambert was either there or he had just left. But anyway, I, I got a dunk in the game and I came down, down the court, raising my fist, pumping it up. I even got Glenn Grunwald hype. You know, Glenn <laughs> Grunwald, was, he was very laid back, mild mannered. Yeah. And then so the next day in films, Knight kept running that, that particular play back. And the more he ran it back, I was so mad, man. He He just kind of like said, Torbert, I don't want to ever see that crap. But he didn't say crap, he said something else. Yeah, like, totally. And I was like, wow, this man is taking up my motivation. So it took me a while to kind of measure my level of where I, what I could do with night and what I couldn't do with night. So I think that's where all the frustration came out on the dunks because I figured he can't stop me from dunking the ball like I want to. So that's why I did it the way I did it.
3: By the way, wow. you, you've mentioned some amazing players that you got to play uh, against. I, mm-hmm. I, Ward and I were having a heated debate about the strength of the Big Ten Conference before, oh, before this. I know everybody talks about how great the Big Ten Conference is. Just glancing down the teams you played against starting with your freshman year, you got Magic Johnson over at Michigan State. You great got Mike, Yes. Yeah. You got Michael Thompson and Kevin McHale at Minnesota. I mean – Every night, I mean, the players at Purdue, you are playing against not just conference greats, NBA all-time greats. I mean, Yeah,
0: we we were pros in college, man. Yeah. Uh, Unbelievable. They had, at Minnesota, which I was recruited by, believe it or not, one of my recruiters was, um, oh, man, it was Ray Williams, which is uh, Gus Williams' younger brother, played for Seattle, I think you guys might know, remember Gus Williams? Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. And of course, uh, Ray Williams was there, and Tony Dungy. Oh my was, God. Tony God. Dungy recruited me there. <laughs> but it, it was the problem. It was like 15 below zero that day. <laughs> Not
3: for Ray <Rachel>. <laughs> <laughs> But
0: sure. I got a chance to you know, talk to Kevin, talk to Michael. Uh, their coach, um, Jim Dutcher, I think it was. Jim Dutcher was the coach then. Great, great guys, but man, that that gym was so old.
1: Yeah,
0: and, the, barn. And it, the barn was terrible. Right. I'm like, <laughs> man, Anderson, the wigwam was better than that. <laughs> I'm like, no, I can't come here. But to get a chance to play against guys like that, Kevin McHale, Michael Thompson, Ray Williams, Trent Tucker. Um, Oh man, um, so many of the guys. And like you said, even, even at that time, uh, Wisconsin had some decent players Wes Matthews, Claude Gregory, Larry Petty. Uh, Iowa was loaded. Iowa had some great guys. Of course, you know, um, they had Steve Krasism, Steve Waite. They had um, a, a guy we call Tree Mike. Uh what was Mike's last name. You guys look up on your on your computers those names. But one guy that stuck out to me was Ronnie Lester. Ronnie okay. and they went to the final four in 80 with Purdue. Uh was it Louisville who won it? And uh mm-hmm. UCLA. Man, Iowa beat us so bad one year. I've never been, I never like Landon Turner said, Man, we got spanked. <laughs> <laughs> those guys, Kevin Boyle, they were so tough. I've I've never played against a a, a better team in, in the four years that I played besides Michigan State. Those guys were so tough, and you had you had to be on your A game to beat them. Was it Mike night.
3: Henry? Was it Mike Henry at Iowa? Yeah,
0: Tree Mike Henry. Thank you, Mike Henry. Call him Tree. I always call him Tree. We we're, we're Facebook friends, and so they just lost. Um, Kenny Arnold just passed away. with he had brain wow. cancer, and so. At this age, man, you know, a lot of things are happening. A lot of guys are leaving and it's sad, but you know, like I said, one day we all got to make that trip, but I'm just trying to live the best life I can to help as many people as I can to do the best I can, stay positive, stay motivated, inspire others to do that, do the same thing. But yeah, like I said, you said, man, so you're, many great players. So well, many, great
3: players. your energy is infectious and motivates. I mean, Thank like you. I, I want to get out there right now and uh, and let's go, man! I want to go dunk. <laughs> I want to go dunk on a six
2: foot rim. Um, so, I I want to I want to be on the sidelines and cheer really hard for you guys. <laughs> exactly.
3: So, but like Ward said, there was some up and downs that year. But yeah. you do win ten of eleven conference games to then to leap up the standings and finish second. In a, in a packed Big 10, you finish 12 and six in the Big 10, and you get your first taste of NCAA tournament experience where you play Furman. And <sighs> what was what was it like to, like, I've, I imagine you're a fan of basketball. So you're in the tournament your freshman year. Are you excited? Are you fun? What do you remember about that time?
0: Uh, great questions. I think when we played Furman, we had no idea where Furman was, who they were. <laughs> but after we, after we started watching films and stuff, we didn't really, I, I I can honestly say that we didn't really respect Furman, you know, right. like we should have. And we barely beat them. Right. But but after that game, I was thinking, it's not so bad. But when we played Villanova. Right. And, you know, against Roy Sparrow, Roy Sparrow had not scored. They had a guy by the name of, I think it was Alex Gilbert, who was a freshman at the time. I was a sophomore. He was an upcoming young star. I don't know what happened to him, but uh, they had Roy Sparrow on that team. All I, all I remember is we had to really scratch and scrape. We couldn't. We couldn't buy a bucket for whatever reason because I, I just wasn't an East Coast fan. I just didn't like the East Coast, man, for some other reason. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, we we were we were playing Villanova and Roy Sparrow, who didn't score a point. Took a last second shot and beat us. Oh. I was so disappointed. Yeah. I'm thinking, how do we let this dude hit us with a last second shot? He never scored the whole game, but he became a <laughs> hero. And I and I I ribbed him well, once we got to New York and started practicing together. I ribbed him good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh yeah, but that that was a good experience, you know, as far as. I, I was disappointed because I wanted to go further, of course, you know, sure. because I, I wanted to get where where Michigan State was and you know all that. But uh, we, we had great chances and great opportunities. But it took us the following year, I guess you could say, was it seventy nine eighty? That was eighty. Well, and now then, we're in.
3: Yeah, your sophomore year is seventy eight seventy nine. Right. Which yeah. which start which by the way, your career is really an incredible novel because the the building blocks of success are you can see them when you look back at it first year yeah. some success but you know don't take firm in that seriously losing the second round but then year yeah, 2 I, yeah you, you let's start with year 2 where you go to alaska oh. at the beginning of the year <laughs> yeah. All right, but this is important right because there's some life lessons here there's some good life lessons so you go to alaska you drop two games Coach Knight can tell something ain't going right and then all hell breaks loose. What do you remember from the Alaska trip? And I'll look, I'll just say it. There was a lot of guys smoking some wacky tobacco on the Alaska trip and coach Knight finds out about it and suspends a bunch of people and kicks some people off. What was going through
0: Ray Tolbert's life during that time? I'm thinking, why are these guys doing this? I didn't see it but I was part of that guilt by association, but um, just the the guys, you guys know who it was who got uh, suspended, the guys who got put on death and probation, the guys who got kicked off the team, those guys were doing more than just smoking the wacky tobacco, they were selling the wacky tobacco and other substances. Okay, fair enough. uh, But uh, that's why I believe that we lost all those games. I think right. I think it was, a, was it the Alaskan shootout. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, you guys have it on computer. That I don't know who we play. If you look Pe- it up, Pe- Pepperdine
2: and Texas AM.
0: Yeah, Texas AM. And who was the other one? Pepperdine. Pepperdine. Yes. Pepperdine had a guy by the name of uh, Lorenzo Romar. Oh, wow. Yeah, big Who and I were, we're good friends because we actually got a chance to I met him up in Seattle. You know, he was coaching up there at Washington. Yeah. And uh, we, we of course, we played together in athletes in action. So we mm-hmm. got a chance to minister to each other and stuff like that. So that's another long story. But anyway, um, Pepperdine and Texas AM, they had a guy by the name of, if I'm not mistaken, was it Rudy Williams? You guys know. look at that list on there? Was it sure. Rudy Williams? Let me look. And up. they had another guy on that team. That was pretty good. I think we beat Texas A&M, I think.
2: Uh, not not in Alaska.
0: Okay, we lost. Yeah, yeah, we lost. lost both yeah. of those. Did we win any games in Alaska? One, you beat oh, Penn you, State, right? Yeah, the, in the, Penn State. The third okay. game. We beat Penn State for like a consolation game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't really our, I mean, that was a nightmare. Okay. Yeah, Pepperdine beat Rudy us. Woods. Rudy Woods. I knew it was Rudy something. Rudy, Rudy Woods was about 6'8", real skinny, could jump out the gym. But he wasn't – well, I shouldn't say this. Uh, he wasn't the, the most uh, – He his IQ wasn't that great <laughs> at the time. He could be changed now because I was <laughs> like, man, he, he went for every shot fake. I'm like, what's wrong with this cat? But anyway. So, but, yeah, they beat us. And uh, I, I ended up on the all-tournament team that year, I believe. And I I didn't want no part of that because if we couldn't win the first game and lose the second game and then barely win the third game, yeah, man, like you said, all hell broke loose because after that, when we got back, I've never seen Bobby Knight so animated in all my life. I mean, he was a whole different person. He didn't care about anything but winning he was gonna, he was gonna strip the whole team down. And so those names I mentioned, I didn't mention, but the the list of guys who got kicked off, he really lit into them. And he says, I'll make sure you never play basketball (laughs) ever again in this (laughs) thing. And and he was serious. So uh, Tommy Baker ended up going, I think it was Western Kentucky or Eastern Kentucky, Western Kentucky. Tommy Baker ended up in jail on some charges uh, because of the drugs and whatever. He ended wow. up dying in prison. Mm. Oh man! And uh, he had he had ballooned up to over 400 pounds, according to Don Cox. Yeah, but Don Cox is doing well. We we stay in contact. Don is a good friend of mine. He's changed his life over. You know, he's in church. His brothers in church. They 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 cleaned their act up. and I'm proud of them. He- uh, um, who else it was, uh, Jim Roberson, yep. he has a, a double degree in finance and accounting. Uh, he's doing real well. His, of course, his mom and dad were doctors and his sister, uh, was doing well too. So he has a son about our height and, uh, and I don't know if he has any daughters, but yeah, uh, Jim turned this, he turned his life around. It's good to see guys who were out there once, you know, in the world, change their lives and get right when I say get right, you know, have a, an epiphany about what life is all about to serve a higher power. And so I'm proud of those guys in that aspect. I, I was fortunate to have a early start. And as I as I said earlier, once I got out there as a prodigal son, I, I came back to my own recognition of where I need to be. And I got back into where I needed to be quickly. So I'm, well, I'm it's- happy. It's
3: funny because clearly that moment was a crossroads in many guys' lives, but also a crossroads for the team. And what Coach Knight did at that time, something started clicking. I mean, you guys then go and play Kentucky and you win.
2: What was that like winning in overtime against Kentucky in Bloomington?
0: You guys, you guys did your homework. (laughs) I'll tell you what, what. Um, that was one of the most, exonerating feelings for me because we had maybe six or seven guys that we played with. We had to borrow some guys out of the rec league to come practice with us because we had lost four players. Some of the guys were injured. And so I, I, if I recall, we had, it was, um, I believe it was Butch Carter, Mike Woodson, Glenn Grawal, myself, and I can't remember if Landon, yeah, Landon may have Landon
3: been. was on that team. Yep.
0: Yeah, but he didn't play a lot because he was still in the doghouse. Right. What about Whitman? Was Whitman there? Rodney Whitman played well. Randy was there. I mean, I remember playing against Kyle Macy. Um, of course, they had a guy. Uh, Sam Bowie wasn't there yet. It was a guy. Oh man, let me think. Um,
2: I'm a Peru, Indiana guy, so the Kyle Macy thing kind of yeah, kills Kyle me. Macy,
0: Kyle Macy was – of course, he was Mr. Basketball, what, 70 –
2: 76. 74,
0: 76? Uh, yeah, right, 76. Right, 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 right after me, right before me, yeah. So All Kyle right, they well. Kyle Macy, Dwight Anderson. Dwight Anderson. You, you heard what happened to him, right? No. Well, you know, he had transferred. He was an exceptional athlete, but I think he got into some, some mixtures –
1: oh boy
0: <laughs> and uh he ended up i think he just recently passed away maybe last uh, year yeah but he was he had turned his life around but you know sometimes man it just it haunts you it follows yeah. you
3: levon uh, williams
0: was on that team yeah Vaughn. Uh, how about Alex? no uh fred cowan big fred yeah truman clater what about what about um Dinnerbell male turpin was he there
3: no, not yet. Okay. It not was yet. a Jay Schidler, Chuck Verdeber. uh, <laughs> Verteber, Verteber, yeah. Alexinus, <laughs> another guy named Chuck, uh, Clarence Tillman,
0: Alex, something, Alexinus, something, like yeah, that.
3: Alexinus, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: Alexinus. He was the guy that I, I kind of dunked on, <laughs> yes, like that. Yeah, when you
3: dunk on somebody, you don't have to learn their last name. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's
0: what the rule is. <laughs> yeah, he, he, so, he, was, he was a bruiser, man. He's about 6'9, big, big, stocky guy. So, Coach Knight
3: talked about that game afterwards about how, I mean, you know, and it, it was not a. Coach Knight was not effusive in praise that much. But after that game, he was. And he talked about how happy he was for the players that were there because of everything that had happened in Alaska. And the, right. So, so. That had to get things going for you guys uh, as you then started getting into Big Ten play, which started off rough, but again turned around.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think Knight really, he saw our hearts. He saw how hard we practice and how we wanted to make atonement and make amends to what had happened. Um, You know, Like I said, guilt by association, all of us were put on indefinite probation and man, it was was an eye-opening for me because when you're trying to be around peer pressure, do what the other guys do. And I learned a valuable lesson that day is to stay away from people that are not doing the right things. And so from 1978 to this day, man, no drugs, no alcohol, none of that stuff. Smart.
3: I mean, look again, like these things that happened in your life and career, they all lead to something.
0: And what that year
3: ended up leading to was a turnaround in the big 10 after starting one and four, I believe, but you end up nine and four.
0: That's right.
3: Uh, uh, You go nine and four and wait, let me get back to my notes here. Uh, Yeah. You start one and four, then you go nine and four the rest of the way fourth place in the big 10, but you get an invite. You don't make the NCAA tournament like you did last year, but you get an invite to something that is very important to coach Knight. He is of real fondness for the NIT tournament.
0: Yes, what he you, is.
3: What yes, do you remember, is. though, about, did you feel a little bit like, oh, we didn't make the real thing, we got to go to this NIT? Like, what as a player, how did you feel?
0: Well, of course you want to go to the top. But Knight made it seem like this was the, the, the original tournament. It was a prestigious tournament. It was a tournament that had a lot of respect, and he knew a lot of people there, especially in the New York area. And so we kind, of, we kind of bought into that, you know, we kind of let the NCAA go, but he says, we can win this thing. And I guarantee you that if you, if you can win this, it, it'll bring respect, it'll bring admiration from a lot of people, even though it's, it's the NIT, it's just as prestigious. And so when we started out against Texas Tech, we started out with a bang, if you know what I mean, yeah, <laughs> so I'm, I had I, I had a pretty good game that game. I had 18 points. Uh, Mike Wilson played well. Chuck Copet was the the uh, the announcer, I guess, as far as on the, the television, the, the color commentator. I I could have went over there and choked him. <laughs> well, what What <do laughs> did you say? This this crazy stuff, man. <laughs> this is crazy stuff. But anyway, um, yeah, Texas Tech had we were in the hotel the night before they had cowbells going up and down the hallways in the, in the hotel, keeping us up all night long, no lie. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, after that, coach Knight said, okay, let's show these guys what Indiana is all about. And I think we, I don't know you guys got the score there. We, we beat them pretty soundly.
2: 19 and, points.
0: Uh, yeah. And uh, we were so tired and so ticked off at the same time. What's it all saying? Never wake up a sleeping bear.
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well,
2: they did. Yeah, we put uh, it
0: to them. And then, of well, course, we went on to play the, uh, was it Alabama? No, no, no. Uh,
2: Alcorn State.
0: Alcorn State. Yeah, Alcorn State. And um, after that, we got to the, of course, Ohio State. I believe, in Purdue. I think it yeah. was one more team we played. Was somebody yep. else we played there?
2: Nope. That was the four. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, well, I tell you what, those last two games against yeah. Herb and uh, Kevin Ramsey and Carter Scott and all them other guys, that was a tough game because Ohio State always gave us problems. But, of you know, course, Butch Carter had a great game against Ohio State. Because being from Ohio, he had to really you know set the tone for us. And so – But playing Purdue, if you go back and look at that game against Purdue, we were up like maybe one, I guess. But they they had designed a great play where Jerry Seasons got the ball in the corner wide open. I don't know how Jerry missed that shot, but I was so glad he did.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that had to feel good winning a championship game against Purdue,
0: who you have all the history with.
2: In Madison Square Garden.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a uh, rewarding, you know, to do that. But I I wanted to beat them more by, by just one point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. But, uh, but you know, a lot of respect to the, the Purdue program. Of course, you know, I, I was going to be, I was going to go to do uh, study industrial engineering. I was going to mm. do some things because I, I like technology. I, I, here, here's my thing. I like to see things progress. I like to see things when they're under construction. I like to watch them. I like to watch how they build things around here, develop it. I've always been a big fan of that.
1: I,
3: I also like seeing civilizations progress, which is why I never liked West Lafayette, because it feels <laughs> like it's just <laughs> civilization hey man, you, just moving backwards. That. I mean, that. That's right, I'll <laughs> say it. Like I said, you be good, we'll be bad. I mean,
1: that's <laughs>
2: uh um, okay well now okay. we're we're entering into as you called it your fifth season really really in between your second and third for oh, the pan goodness. am games so so take us how did you get you know invited how did you actually make the team with your coach uh what was it like finally teaming up with isaiah thomas give us the goods on on the pan am games
0: okay you, you're gonna love this when they had tryouts at assembly hall and the uh the old Phil House or the new Phil House, whatever they called it, I did my best on purpose not to play well. <laughs> I did not want to spend the summer with Bobby Knight. <laughs> and uh, you know, Ralph Sampson was there. We had, of course, Cal um, Macy, some other guys, Mike Woodson. We had John Dorn from uh, was it Georgetown. Kevin McHale, um, Michael Korn, some great guys, man. All these guys are great. But I did not want to go because I knew what we were in for. And so once these guys said, Michael Korn said, hey, Ray, they had that, that New York accent. Hey, Ray, let, let, me, let me ask you something, man. How you deal with this dude? <laughs> 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 and I said, Mike, hey, just trust him, man. I guarantee you, you're going to win a gold medal. That's all mm-hmm. I told him. I guarantee you, you're going to win a gold medal. But I purposely didn't want to uh, practice or play well. So Knight called me into his office. Yeah. He says, "Tobur, I know what the beep, 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 you trying to do. I don't care what you do, you going to Puerto Rico with me. <laughs> I'm like, coach, coach, I'm trying to get my degree. You can get your degree. You're going to Puerto Rico. I'm like, oh. I tried everything in the book, man. He said, I see what you're doing. So from that point on, I kind of stepped it up. And you know, oh. and but I, the, the only disappointing thing for me was that I didn't get a chance to play a whole lot because Mike Woodson, Michael uh, Corn, Michael uh, the kid from Salle, he passed away. Michael Brooks. Michael Brooks was playing great. Kyle Macy, that's when the, the, the guy from, I think it was, uh, what team was that? That, that, hit, that? that cheap shot at Kyle Macy. Yeah, it,
2: it, was, um, it was, wasn't it Cuba? Yeah, I thought it was Cuba. It was Cuba. Yeah. Because yeah. W-
3: Mike Woodson, uh, w- when we talked to him, he told us about, he told us about how scary it was and how Coach Knight after that was like, we're leaving.
0: Yeah. Did, did he tell you about how he how he hit the, the cop from Puerto Rico? <laughs> well, no, tell us no, that we please. haven't gotten
3: into that. I mean, we all know the story because we've read it, but tell us, tell us, look, you're smiling.
1: <laughs>
0: tell us Why what your you
1: recollection
0: you no, you man, tell us that was, part. It, it was like a third what's what a third world country over there. Yeah. Man. I mean, you had to watch your pockets, you had to watch where you went. You couldn't. I mean, we were big guys and we stood out like you know, sore thumbs, but the people were coming to us. Hey, 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 Americana! You have money, uh-huh. <laughs> man. We, we don't have no money. Go talk to Coach Knight, you know. <laughs> 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 money. But the conditions were very poor, man. The conditions were very poor. The, the gymnasium was hot, no air conditioning, and people were screaming and throwing stuff on the court. I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness! But uh, and, and of course, everybody was against us because they knew what we we came there for. And so uh, was it uh yeah, Cuba and some other teams were, were, were pretty decent, but they 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 cheated so bad against us, man. And Knight was like, we we out of here, we're getting out of here. And so I guess the word got around to the the Pan Am, uh, officials and they said, you know, we'll take care of this situation, don't worry about it. And so we were we were practicing, Fred Taylor was our assistant coach, Mike Szeski was an assistant coach. Um, I think it was, I can't remember that the, the trainer's name, his next name, name was Taylor. Bob Moore. Moore, yes, Bob Moore. We, we used to say, we used to say, more money, more money. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, man, it's been a while, but yeah. So we actually got a chance to practice in this, this, I can't remember where it was, but it was a, a an old school gymnasium somewhere. And this Puerto Rican cop came out of nowhere. He was giving Coach Not a hard time, and he says something, "Your time is up. That we had a certain time limit. You have to leave now. We had about six minutes to go." And Nice says, bleh, "Bleh, bleh, 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 We ain't ready to get the bleh, bleh, bleh out of this bleh, 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 bleh place, you know. And that and that porter cup says, "You in Puerto Rico? You do what I tell you to do. Get your butt out of here." And Knight says, we ain't going nowhere until our time is up. And he started looking at his watch like this, right? (laughs) So (laughs) so the cop got up in his face and started pointing his finger at his nose. And Bobby Knight said, get your (laughs) bail. He hauled off and smacked that dude so hard, man. He says, you're under the rest. you in Puerto Rico. You are under the rest. And i never seen Coach Knight get so scared in my life. I was like... (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, <laughs> and, so, and so, of course, Michael corn was the, the cloud of the team. He says, well, coach, I guess it's up to us now. <laughs> and so he, he told Fred, to he said, he says, Fred, take over the team. Don't let that happen to my boys. And uh, we all got back on the bus and we saw a night in the, in, the, in the squad car. In handcuffs, driving off slowly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I guess practice going to be fun tomorrow. <laughs> and for somehow another, man, night worked it out. He got out of there. And next thing we know, he was back in practice. He was like, oh, man. But yeah. Now,
3: did that fire you up? Or were you just happy coach was going away so you would have some easier practices?
0: Can I say both? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can. No, Woody. You no, know, we, you know, we we were of course we were concerned about Coach, but we wasn't really <laughs> expecting to come back so soon. We yeah. thought he had to go through the, the parliamentary procedures there and all that stuff. But Knight, uh, Night, Knight night is something else, man. He got he got people who work for him. Okay, yeah, he yeah. He might yeah. not be a mafioso, but he's close. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's funny. Uh, uh, Woody told us that and what ended up happening is coach was like, we're going to leave. It's too dangerous. Yeah. And Woody was yeah. like, and coach said, go talk to the players. Right. And, and so Woody went to the players and the way Woody tells it is that he came back and he said, listen, coach wants us to leave. It's too, it's too. And this was right before the gold medal game. And he said, Kevin McHale stood up and said, are you kidding? I didn't bust my ass playing for this crazy person all summer to not play for the gold medal. We're playing for the gold medal.
0: Is that how you remember it? Exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I ain't going nowhere until we get that gold medal, man. We ain't leaving this place. I said in the back of my mind, I don't care if we leave or stay. (laughs) It was that bad over there, man. It was rough. All right,
2: well when it was all said and done, you did get that gold medal. And and did that mean something to you? Did did that have significance? Okay.
0: If you remember, do you remember when we won it and we lifted Coach Nut up on our shoulders? No. Yes. I
2: yeah, I've remember seen, that. that. I've seen the picture.
0: Yeah, he started taking his finger. Well, he took the other finger and started waving the, <laughs> He started waving the bird. Did you? you yeah. No that, didn't that. He, he, he stuck his tongue out like <laughs> we beat you, <laughs> and I said, "I said, Coach, chill, man, chill. <laughs> you want to go back to jail. <laughs> You're just head straight, me like head more. straight
2: for the airport.
0: Yeah. Well, actually, after this, after the award ceremony, after we stood up on the podium, that was a great feeling. I, I see what the uh, Olympics were all about now. Once you get up there, man, it's, it's such a pride that comes over you representing your country." And what we had to go through to, to obtain that through all the adversities and all the cheap shots and all the, the bad conditions that we had to go through, I think that built our camaraderie, even though we all played on different colleges and stuff like that, we never forgot that and we never lost touch with that. And so that's something that will always be with us for the rest of our lives. And so, but, but for Coach Knight, it was a great accomplishment for all of us, you know, with him, Mike Krzyzewski, Bob Moore, Uh, Fred Taylor and all the guys and even Tim Knight his son Tim I think is Patrick was there too Patrick was like seven years old I guess I can't remember but it's amazing how life can can come full circle and so uh, since 1979 man I I I gave my mom the gold medal and I said I said mom can I can I can I look at the gold medal and put it around my neck and take pictures she goes no (laughs) It's hers. <laughs> You're not taking my gold medal. No, I said, Mom, I gave it to you. I just went, nope. <laughs> well, but it's, it, it, it was a great feeling, and uh you know, I I still honor. As a matter of fact, let me go over here and show yeah, you guys. Show us the, the picture that I always keep up here. You can I, see I'm, it I'm just hoping it's Coach Knight flipping the bird. Can you? Can you? No, no, no. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 that? yeah. Yes. Isaiah, myself and Mike, and of course I was with the Lakers. So I I, I got a lot of history downstairs, man. I got a lot of memorabilia, but uh, I I just wanted to, that was one of my proudest moments, man, playing with those guys. It really was.
3: Well, besides winning the gold, which is, you know, a a dream, I think of anybody who plays in, in any kind of athletic adventure or venture, you also got to meet and play with Isaiah Thomas for the first time in those yeah. practices and the game. And of course, that would then lead to a couple great years of playing with him at, at IU. But what was your take on Isaiah when you first saw this skinny little high school kid come to play uh, practice with grown men at the, uh, at the practices and the tryouts for the Pan Am Games?
0: Well, when he first saw men, I first saw him, we started laughing at each other. <laughs> <laughs> and so... I was like, I heard a lot about you, man. We're gonna see what you got. And so when he got into the practice and stuff, I said, yeah, this kid's gonna be special. And believe it or not, excuse me, believe it or not, Tommy Baker had that same energy, but then Tommy got in some trouble.
1: Right. But
0: Mm. imagine having Tommy Baker and Isaiah Thomas on Mm. the same team. That, that would have been something. If you, could, if you ever get a chance to talk to Landon Turner or uh, go back and talk to some of the other guys, but Tommy just, for whatever reason, man, Tommy was different, but the kid was talented. But getting back to Isaiah, when I saw this kid play in practice, um, I said, he's really gonna help us a lot. And he always Knight always kept his reins on Isaiah until he said, Isaiah was one of those type of players that, you know what, you you wasn't going to break him. You couldn't break Isaiah. He said, I'm going to do what I got to do to win. Say what you got to say. Isaiah came up to me a couple times. He said, Ray, Ray, I don't know if I can take this no more. I said, I said Zeke, you're not going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you better stay here so you can help us win, man. Are you kidding me? But another thing that a lot of people don't really uh, know about or recognize is that there was one guy on the team that was faster than Isaiah, that was Tony Brown. Oh, wow. Tony Brown played at with De La LaSalle in Chicago. Tony, I think his team beat Isaiah's team in the, the championship, championship, I believe. And uh, so Tony came to IU with uh, with Isaiah, and of course they were good friends, being Chicago natives and stuff like that. And uh, but uh, Tony was so fast, man, he would. Dribble the ball, and the ball would be behind him. He had to go back and pick the ball up. That's how fast he was. I said, Tony, if you would just slow down just a centimeter, man, you'd be all right. But right. he did. He, he only had one speed; that was all out. Wow. But uh, he was the only guy that gave Isaiah fits in practice and fits, you know, in our scrimmage games. But otherwise, if Tony Brown had a jump shot, he would have been all right right but cool. anyway yeah
2: Go well I, I was just gonna say and if you want to keep speaking to Isaiah and his skills certainly in in the Pan Am games but also entering into your your season in Bloomington now the secret's out you Woody Isaiah you're the number one team in the country going into the season was that something you were relishing and excited about did did you feel pressure was it unpleasant where were you at with that
0: oh no we were very happy with that. But here's the problem. We were pissed at Coach Knight because he put a number one jersey on the Sports Illustrated instead of our pictures.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you guys remember that? I do. No. I, I have, I I have do. the jersey. I mean, I have the the SI cover.
2: I remember the cover, but I didn't know that was the story.
0: Knight, he did some things that we we thought should have been done a little differently, like yeah. for instance, instead of giving us, like, uh, I think it was, instead of getting rings for the NIT championship, he gave us sweatsuits. <laughs> Everybody's gonna pick up weight. Everybody's gonna get older. We want we want hardware, man. Yeah. Sweatsuits? Yeah. And well. then, okay, yeah, I mean, that's just one out of a thousand. But yeah. Anyways, yeah. yeah. They'll share as many as you want. We love them. We love them. <laughs> so, yeah, um, so, we, we got the sweatsuits and everybody, we, we couldn't tell Coach Knight, no. Right. You know, we said, okay, coach, okay. So we did that. And then in the championship game, uh, well, when we won the uh, NCAA, we got red ruby rings with the red, you know, the colors, cream and crimson, but we wanted the, the gold sparkly diamonds. Knight said, nope, we're gonna, <laughs> we, we're, we're gonna have ruby rings. Landon said, yeah, okay. He took his ring and had it remodified. <laughs> no lie, Does it look, he wear it? it? Like, yeah, it looks like a a, a Lakers uh, NBA ring. He got it. He had it modified. It looks nice.
3: Do you have your I, ring?
0: I, yeah, we yeah we got rings. We got. Where's, rings, where's but, your ring right now? Uh, it's locked up and put away.
3: All right, good, good, good. I like
0: that. Sorry, no, I, I don't. I don't wear those, man. So I, I got them locked up and put away. Yeah. I get
3: it. So let's talk about the 79-80 team, because like Ward said, number one coming into the year, incredible momentum behind you. And you then learn how to deal with some more adversity when Mike Woodson goes out with a big injury in the Kentucky game. And Yeah,
0: that that was devastating because he was our go-to guy. He was our, our, our leader, our captain. And I think at the same time, when Mike went down, I think Whitman got hurt. He did. Threw same game. Romo got hurt. Yeah. So we was like, man, what's going on? I th- was it against, was against Iowa, you say? Uh, no,
3: it was Kentucky where Woodson went out and, and Whitman went out in the same game. I think Woody's injury had started a little bit before because it was the herniated disc.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woody, But Woody yeah, then they both from. went out.
3: They both went out in that game. And now it seems like, oh, man, the number one ranking, a Big Ten championship, all that is out the window. And you guys tread water for for a little bit.
0: Yeah, it, it was difficult making the adjustment, but you know, we had to step up and do what we could. But it, it wasn't the same without Mike, man. I, I, I'm not going to lie. With, without Woody being in there, having that, what you call like a security blanket, knowing that if we need a, if we need a bucket, we set a screen for Mike, he come off, it's money. We we right. knew that, just like when Scott May played or Calvert Cheney. But uh when he went out, and then when Whitman went out, you know, he was also a good shooter. And Ted was we had some of these guys that had back problems, man. Yeah. I, this is amazing. But uh believe it or not, you know, kind of kind of going back and forth with this, Woody just he may have told you he just had back surgery. Was it last year, early last yeah, year?
3: I know he was yeah. recovering from
0: it. Yeah, he just he just recovered from that. If you he notice he's coaching up in New York again now. Yeah. He kind mm-hmm. of have a little, he has a little, you know, bent over.
1: Oh, I said, Woody,
0: man, you just getting old. <laughs> 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 but uh, but yeah, but Woody, when he when he went out, you know, our team kind of like, like you said, treading water, we were surviving. We were in survival mode until he came back. So I think he came back against was it Iowa? Iowa mm-hmm. game. And uh, he he played great for like four games, and then the, the old back said, "Woody, I can't support you no more." And so, I think when we had played, if I'm not mistaken, when we played Purdue, um, in the I think it was the, the regional semi regional, was it? Was it? Oh yeah, in the sweet sixteen. A sweet sixteen. The sweet sixteen. Yeah, and then Purdue beat us. Uh, Woody couldn't buy a bucket. He just didn't right. have the strength, man. Because now mm-hmm. Woody. He he'd had to ice his knees before and after practices every time, and his back. He he was a walking he was a walking ice machine. He was, mm-hmm. but um, but he
3: did help you though that year when he came back because you guys went oh. on that magical run. Oh, oh and yeah, you went you you play your last game of the year <coughs> against Ohio State, right? Yes, sir. Big for, championship
0: for yes, all sir. the marbles for all yes, the marbles. Walk okay. us through
3: what you remember of that game.
0: Well, it, it was a big game. It was, of course, Asilami Hall was packed to the Raptors. Um, you know, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I oh, I'm
3: sorry. I think that game was against. No, no, I, you're right. I'm sorry. It
2: Ohio was, State. It was yeah. Ohio State senior. Yeah. Ohio yeah. State.
0: Yep. Yeah, Herb, Kevin yep. Ramsey, Clark Kellogg. I believe. Yeah, Clark was there.
3: And they Jim, were winning 59 51 with eight minutes to go in the game.
0: Man, they were they were rolling, and for somehow some way, we just had the what you call it the uh, the, the fortitude yeah. to just come out. Man, Woody, if, I can't remember exactly how things went, but I think Woody hit a couple shots. Uh, Isaiah did some good things. We started playing good defense. We had we had to double team her. Clark Clark, he he's just a monster anyway. Clark is he's gonna get his no matter what. An exceptional athlete. If Clark, if Clark Kellogg didn't have degenerative knees, he would have been uh, probably one of the top 50 in NBA history. That's how wow. good Clark was. And uh, Clark would have been all-star easily, man, seriously. But uh, great kid, great guy, you know, great Christian brother. But uh, getting back to the Ohio State game, man, you know, it was a lot of pressure. And we just said, well, we knew going in that they were favorites. We knew that, but if we could just pull out a miracle, or just get close to them, and once we started seeing the, the score get closer, we started believing in ourselves, and some good things happened. Man, I think I hit a couple of shots if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, and they didn't they didn't think I was going to score. They left me open. Mm. I'm like, man, I'm going to take this shot. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we got back in it. We got close, and then we won it, and then. Um, I think Kevin runs. had a last second shot. I can't remember. I don't know all of it. I got to go back and look at the film. But uh, when we won that game, everybody stormed the court. We were exuberant. I had the basketball in my hands. I, had, I held it up and Landon and I, you know, of course, Mike was excited. All the guys were excited. Steve Risley came in and did well. And so I uh, it brings back a lot of memories, man. You guys got me going down memory lane. But uh, was
2: was Coach was Coach happy because that was his alma mater, oh. and you know how much the Big Ten yeah. means
0: to him. He loves beating his alma mater, Ohio yeah. State. You kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I very seldom see Bobby Knight's teeth <laughs> like this, but uh, he was happy that game, and we felt very proud and very honored to win. Of the Big Ten championship or he's used to have a tie for it at uh a co big ten champions or big ten champions. I can't I can't remember if we won it outright no you won it outright back here. Yeah you won it outright that was the year that Ohio State and I had the and we had the same same record as far as in the big ten standings. Yep. Whoever won that game took all the marbles. So that's what made it so important for us to win that. Especially for Mike and those guys uh, to, to come back from adversity like we did to win that made it all that much special. Yeah, absolutely. Well,
2: and then the season, it, it ends horrifically with a loss to Purdue the way no season should ever end. But with all the adversity you'd fought through this season, even though you're losing Woody did you feel like even that loss at the end of the season, it, it just seems because you can look back at it now years later and you know where it's leading to. Did you yeah. need every bump in the road to prepare for for the success that was coming the next season?
0: Oh, yeah, man. You know, y- you have to learn how to um, handle adversity. Uh, you know, it, what's the old saying? If you get knocked down, don't stay down. You got to get back up. And so right. we had to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, you know, per se, and just say, look, man, this is it. This is what it is. We just got to make the best of it. And we had that mentality. You know, we've always, a great athlete would not quit. You know, Only only quitters quit, losers quit. We were not losers. We were not going to give up like that. So through pain, through injuries, through adversities, through whatever, you, ha- you have to persevere, you have to believe and trust, and that's what we did. And so, um, I-, I look at Mike and what he's went through all his career, and he made it through. Uh, Whitman, Landon, and especially Landon, man, he's a walking testimony,
3: man. Yes, he he's is.
0: A rolling testimony, however you want to say it. <laughs> Landon, um, he really inspires me. I mean, there were times where I felt like, you know, things were not going to work out for me as far as after my career. Landon said, he he says, dog, look look at me, dog, what you talking about, man? I said, Landon, I apologize, you're right. I have nothing to be uh, sad about, I'm blessed. And so he really inspires me every time we talk. And you talk about a comedian, Landon Turner will have you in stitches.
3: (laughs) We gotta get Landon on the show. After we're done with this, I'm gonna talk to you about helping us get Landon on the show. We've been trying for that.
0: Good luck. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna give up, I'm gonna I, persevere. I, I, will, I will give you his information. Um, I think I still, yeah, I will give you his information because Landon is a stickler. I said, Landon, talk to these guys, you're gonna love it. He'll, he'll call you.
3: He'll okay, call you. good. So
0: cool. now let's go to the
3: senior year. You're oh boy. You've got an NCAA tournament appearance your freshman year, an NIT championship your sophomore year, a mm-hmm. Big Ten championship your junior year. There is only one thing left to do for your career to be complete. All. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: And it's also been five years since Indiana's last national championship, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, you guys are loaded. Although you do lose, people forget this too. You lost Woody. You also lost Butch Carter, and those are huge losses. I mean, like. Yeah. Those are star players that you lost. Yes. And yes. and clearly Isaiah is a year older. You're a senior. Landon needs to, to, to step things up. Randy Whitman, Ted Kitchell. You got a lot of talent on this team. A lot of talent. And I want to talk to you before just kind of getting into when the, the switch flips. I got to ask you about the Kentucky game and a certain alley play at the end
0: of the game. I knew that was coming. <laughs> so walk let, us let, through. Let, let, let me, let me show you this. Okay. Can you see it? Is that oh, the there. play? Is that the play? Look at the score 62, 62, 222 Oh back. No, you, this is the play. That still haunts me to this day. Why do but- you have it hanging up <laughs> on your wall? Well, because I was up so high. <laughs> I was actually coming down at that point. But this is this is the true story. Game was tied, 222 left. I had one of the worst games that I can recall. I couldn't buy a bucket, but I said, I'm gonna take this alley. It was perfectly timed. I said through it perfectly, but remember. We couldn't hang on the rim back then. Oh, and nice. the rims were not collapsing. Yeah. Right. And so I came down with so much force that the ball actually slipped out of my hand. These hands, yes. These hands. <laughs> and I hit the, the the other side of the rim, and the ball bounced up so high. And I was like, oh man, I cannot believe I missed that. And oh. then we could we couldn't recover from that. And Zeke Isaiah said. Ray Ray, how did you miss that dunk? <laughs> man, I'm sorry. I, I, I felt so bad. And Coach Knight cussed me out all the way to the locker room. Mm. He did. And I felt I felt like I just wanted to go hide, man. I, I didn't eat for a while. I didn't wow. I didn't talk to anybody. I just stayed in my room. People was calling me, knocking on my door. I didn't answer it. I just said, if I can make up, if I can make up. Of what happened against Kentucky. And true story, as we got through the tournament and stuff, you know, wow. we found out that Alabama-Birmingham beat Kentucky, upset them. As we, you know, then I think it was uh, DePaul got upset by St. Joe's. And so we had to play Alabama-Birmingham. So I had to let my homeboys know, because you know, our family is from Alabama originally, so. I had to let my homeboys know that uh, had, if this was Kentucky, I was going to do this to them. So I gave Alabama Birmingham nineteen, to twelve. So no,
3: no, you <laughs> know you gave them. I think you gave them. Yeah, 19, is that what it was? Nineteen and
0: twelve. Nineteen and twelve, but, I believe. Yeah, it could have yeah. been 19, 10, 19, I don't know, but I know I gave them a lot of points.
3: Yeah,
0: you but gave. By I the won. way,
3: you gave Maryland twenty-six, eight, and four. Wait, wait, I, really before, gave, I know I'm we, skipping ahead. We, we I'm can't, skipping
2: can't move ahead. past this picture because even yeah, as you're telling but, but, us yeah, the that, story. story,
0: I could have gave him more, but I passed the ball a couple of times to Whitman he missed a couple of layups.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you're but, you're looking over at that picture as you're telling him this story that, that yeah. this shot made you not have an appetite for a while. So why do you hang that picture there?
0: It's it's just it's just uh to let me know where I come from. And if I could live it all over again, I would have made that shot. And sometimes you just have to keep reminding yourself of of the adversities you go through, that you can make it through those too. So that's Uh why I got it up there. I also
3: got to think it has something to do with how humble you are as a human. I mean, that that in your, yeah, it's a reminder that like you got the highs of the highs, but guess what? You can even, even the best can screw things up at times.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
3: So that year starts off not great. Again, kind of treading water, 10 and seven, I think, at a certain point, and three and two in the Big Ten. You're right. And and like you said at the beginning of our interview here, our conversation, and we've heard time and time and again, what really changed is Landon Turner. Yes, sir. So what, just kind of walk us through a little bit more in detail on, on how good he could be and what was preventing him in your mind from becoming that.
0: Well, I, I think what what, presented, what what prevented Landon was Landon. As far as uh, uh, habits and girls, uh-huh. partying, not really going to class like he was supposed to. And once he realized that that's what he had to do to be successful, he started coming around. Get, he was tired of being in the doghouse because he was way under the doghouse. And so so uh, with Landon, if he had just started out like he did out of high school and did what he was supposed to have done from the onset, Landon would have probably been an All-American all four years. Wow. That's, Landon was unstoppable. He had a nice touch He could run. He could jump. Um, He just, he didn't have a high motor like I did. But when he put his mind to it, he had the high motor. But I just had more endurance. But Landon, once he figured it out, the rest was easy, man. Seriously. Hmm. That's how good Landon Turner was. And I'll tell anybody, if it wasn't for Landon Turner, You wouldn't see another banner from 81 hanging in the Raptors at IU. No way.
3: Well, before you got to that national championship banner, another winner take all game, last game of the year against Michigan state for the outright title. This is your senior year. This is it for you. You know, you want some more hardware. And what do you remember from that Michigan state game? Because you showed out in that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you go back and look at the history, every time we played Michigan State, my freshman and sophomore years, Knight didn't start me. He would mm. always put me in a certain doghouse because he's, I figured that he knew in the back of his mind, as well as my mind, I was going to go out early and go uh. pro. That's That's my belief. Wow, okay. He always gave me a hard time against Michigan State for whatever reason. I don't know. Those games, I never started. Every other game, I started, except for the Michigan State games.
2: Would you have to think it's because, especially as a freshman and sophomore, Magic's over there. And if you're you're showing up against Magic, then you know that you could go too.
0: Absolutely. And so, that's why there are certain times I think about it, I'm saying, why did he do that to me? Because I promise you guys, ask anybody on my team. I worked hard. I never. I was never lazy. I never dogged it out. I worked hard in practice. I worked hard in the games. I I never took a day off. And for whatever reason, he just berated me against the Michigan State the times we played against Michigan State. Hmm. Yeah.
3: All right. So then, walk us through that game, your senior game, going for the Big Ten title. Yeah,
0: I. I I say this a lot. I I had to prove to Michigan State fans that I could play. And I wanted to beat Jay Vincent because Jay Vincent was a Big Ten uh, candidate. Um, You know, Jay Vincent got all the accolades, but after Magic left, Jay didn't have that go-to guy to give him the ball. So, and Jay had to guard me. And I knew Jay wasn't as quick as I was. Mm. So I said, if Jay Vincent guards me, I'm going to get 20 or more. <laughs> they put Jay Vincent on me and I think I gave him 24. I'm not yeah. sure. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And Landon was like, uh, dog. <laughs>
3: well, you did. And by the way, not only do you put it on him, not only do you win the Big Ten championship, but you solidify yourself as Big Ten player of the year. Ray, what does that mean? I know it's about the team first, but my God, you're a senior and you win the best player, the most valuable player in a stacked conference. Show us, tell us what that means to you. All
0: right, it's kind of dirty, but here it is.
3: Oh, Yes, that is beautiful. Oh, look at that. (laughs) I love it.
0: Now, the reason why I'm proud of that is because nobody gave me the opportunity. Nobody gave me a chance to uh, think that I was going to be the MVP. And in the back of my mind, I didn't think I was going to get it because you got Jay Vincent, you got Herb Williams. uh who else was out there during that time? Of course, uh, Isaiah.
2: Isaiah Thomas was out there.
0: <laughs> Isaiah was probably the, the, the front runner for it. But Knight went to he went to work. Man, he he started pitching my name. and says, "Without Ray Talbert, we wouldn't win." I was very humbled to hear that and surprised at the same time.
1: Yeah, I'm
3: sure you know? because of the past you had with Coach, that had to that had to sh- shock you in some way.
0: Yes. Almost like, you know, being revived on an operating table. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I was very surprised and, and very humbled and um, very glad at the same time because, like I said earlier, here I am, second team all Big Ten, second team all American, but most valuable player in the Big Ten. Go yeah. figure. Yeah. So I, I think what really, what I really wanted to do. I think this is probably the thing that really hampered my being an all-American first team was the last two games against North Carolina and of course LSU, I didn't have great games. But the three games before that, I was rocking and rolling. Oh, know?
3: you tore it up. I mean, yeah. you really did. 20, 26 and eight and four against Maryland. Like you said, the big game against Alabama, St. Joseph's 14-5. and And I want to say this. I didn't realize this. And, Ward, I don't think we've talked about this. That game against St. Joseph's, Indiana set an NCAA record for field goal percentage in a game. Do you know what your team shot that day? I want to say 74. Close. 69%. 68 okay, that's yeah. as a team. If Indiana <laughs> yeah, shoots yeah. 45% from the field today, we're all going hallelujah. You guys shot 68.6, <laughs>
0: almost 69% from the field. Uh,
1: well,
0: it's incredible. He, he, here's the problem with that. Here's the problem. St. Joe's had a cocky coach. In my opinion now, he was arrogant to me. Mm. And uh, they beat DePaul and they thought we were, I guess they thought we were just hooligans like DePaul were, but we were not. And so they went into a stall game.
3: Oh so you,
0: you go back and watch the game, they started stalling. And so Knight said, extend the defense. So we extend the defense, got a couple steals, and we got a couple rim wreckers. And yeah. The rest was history. I said, no, you're not gonna come in our house and stall this game.
3: Are you right. kidding me? Which is, by the way, that's the other thing to talk about here. You got to play NCAA tournament games in Ooh. Assembly
0: Hall. Yeah. And that was the last time that happened. <laughs>
3: yeah. Until until this year, by the way. Because of the pandemic, there's going to be an NCAA tournament game. Not in well, Indiana. Well, Indiana won't play. Yeah. But but right, there will nah. be. But you're right. The last time it happened. And there's great picture of you cutting down the nets to right. go to the Final Four because that earns you a chance to go to the Final Four in Philadelphia.
0: Well, well, check this out. If you know traditionally after the last home game at IU, the seniors would have the, their speech sure. and you know, do what they had to do. And when it came, because Grunwald, Eisenbarger, Risley, myself, and of course I was the last one to, to speak, and they kept saying one more dunk, one more dunk. And I'm like, Guys, I'm too tired. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so, but but before that, I had, I I think I said these words, not verbatim, but I said, I want to thank God. I want to thank my parents. I want to thank Coach Knight for putting up with me for four years. (laughs) And, um, and then, and I said, but listen, we're not done. We're coming back to Bloomington. I said that if you go back and and get, and look, we got to get that. Yeah. I said, listen, man, we're not done. We're coming back to Bloomington. And they thought I was crazy. I told them that. And when we came back, I said, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> now, so that's when they, they, the, the crowd said, one more dunk. And Risley grabbed the basketball and said, here, Toby, just dunk the ball. Let's get out of here. I said, all right, man. So I gave him a, I gave him a foul line dunk. and. That was it man. I that was tired. Awesome. That is awesome.
2: <laughs> now now before we get to Philadelphia, I just want to talk about this run you guys started with the last 5 games of the conference to win the title and now tearing through the tournament. You are destroying teams. You are on a historic run everything's clicking now. Obviously Landon is a big part of that, but can you just talk about how that felt? Like as you guys were going to Philadelphia, knowing the way you guys have figured out what you are, what, what was it and how did it feel compared to all the other teams you'd played on in the past?
0: Well, um, I, I think by starting out with Maryland, Maryland ended up having seven guys go pro that year. Um, wow. Well. Yeah, I you know Buck Williams, Albert King, Ernest Pittman, Ernest, Ernest Graham, um, some, was Pittman? It was Pittman, Manning. They had about seven guys that went pro that year. Wow. Uh, the following game, of course, we played.
2: Uh, well, and for the audience, let's just say you beat that team by over thirty points.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, smoked them, and they started out eight to nothing on us, mm. and we were like, oh man, these guys are good, and then. Coach Knight being the advocate of not calling the first time out and said, uh, okay guys, here's what we're gonna do. So one thing I like about Coach Knight, he understands the game so well that he altered our plans. He says, let's run because they haven't seen us run yet. Let's get mm-hmm. out there and run. Landon, Isaiah, and myself, we started smiling. We said, <laughs> you will not let us run?
3: We've been waiting four <laughs> years to hear that. <laughs>
0: man, I put on the afterburners. If you <laughs> notice, I would get a rebound and beat everybody down the court. Nice. And so we had a couple of, you know, and I said, here we go. And so we just started playing the game that we should have been playing for four years
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. at IU.
0: <laughs> but, uh, but with Isaiah, Isaiah was a type of player, you, you just can't run set plays all the time. You just got to let us run. Because Isaiah in the open court was amazing. And so I think Knight finally realized that because he said, if we're going to beat Maryland, we got to play their style. And we did that. And we hmm. beat them at it because they, they surprised it. Because before the game, getting back to the other games, but, but before the game, Letty Giselle says, uh, which one is Tobert? Which mm. one is Turner? Mm. And, we, and he said it real loud, like disrespecting. I said, Landon, he don't know who we are. Let's show them who we are. And then after that, I said, Zeke, Zeke, give me the ball. <laughs> I'm not going out like this, give me the ball. So I, I I started turning up like I did back in high school when I scored 18 and 18 because I knew this game was slipping away. I wasn't gonna let that happen because if I, like I said, if I can get it back in high school like I did back in college, I learned the valuable lesson. If you got it going, keep it going.
3: Yeah. Well, mm. you did, and you kept it going all the way to Philadelphia, where you're playing yeah, in the Final Four for the yeah. first time in your college career. How cool is it to be in the Final Four?
0: Well, getting back to Bobby Wilkerson, Scott May, and Quinn yeah. that it came to fruition. And I, I thought about that as I went there, because they actually played in Philadelphia in 76. That's right. And so, But without without all the controversy with the uh, president Reagan getting shot,
1: mm-hmm.
3: we
0: had no idea whether we were going to play that day or not. But then we found out that Reagan was going to survive. And so coach Knight busted through the locker room. He says, okay, boys, we're going to play this game. We were like, yes, you know, cause that's what we, that's what we worked so hard for. Like Kevin McHale said, I didn't come this far to turn around now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so we were, um, we were very, um, happy about it because we had revenge on our mind. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think... um, You lost to North Carolina. Yeah. Either by nine or 15, I can't remember which one it was. One of those games was nine points, the other game was 15 points. That year it was nine. Nine, we should have beat North Carolina. I had a pretty decent game that game. And I want to do the same thing I did in North Carolina as I would have done in Philadelphia, but it never worked out that way. I, I had one of those off games where I did have 11 boards, uh,
3: exactly, good,
0: but I but I was only like one for four from the field, and I missed like three or four free throws. Man, that haunted me. But here's the problem: doing the LSU game, you know, I was trying to have one of those uh, Maryland games, and I kept missing. I was open, but I just couldn't buy a bucket. Knight pulled me over to the side and says, if you take one more jump shot, you're going to be watching us win the championship from the bench. (laughs) A senior, he tells me that in the heart of the game, that hurt so bad.
3: Yeah, but I'm I ended sure. up
0: taking one more shot. Thank God I made it.
3: <laughs> you also though ended that game, the LSU game, with like had to have probably been your career high in assists. I think you had five. You went for seven points, six rebounds, five assists in that game, and it shows again the strength of the team because yeah. clearly in the beginning of the tournament you carried the team offensively. The back well, end of the tournament they needed you to do more. The shot wasn't falling. Eleven rebounds in the championship game is awesome. You know, 7.6 rebounds, 5 assists is an awesome game in a Final Four game.
0: But, you know, as a 19, 20, 21-year-old, you want to score. Right, sure. The the more you score, the higher your your chances of going to the pro on on a higher level. Right. Instead of the 18 pick, I could have been the first top five pick. Right. So that's that's what I was looking towards to to getting to that level. And so it never worked out that way. But I was very – I guess – being drafted says a lot, yeah. but where I was drafted to was devastating.
3: Wow. Well, hold on. I Before we get to that, because I want to still revel in the glory of you just won a national championship. <laughs> and by the way, you won it. The game was nipping. You know, the game, they started off better than you guys. And then you rolled them in a way that you do not typically see in a national championship game.
0: Well, well you, you guys know, dominated. Like I said, I, Isaiah. Isaiah had a great, uh, he he had a great, he had a great line. He says, Jimmy Black is quick, but he can't use his left hand. So when he forced Jimmy Black to put the ball in his left hand, he stole it twice and got two lamps.
1: There you go. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And so, but Al Wood was quick. He saw Al Wood come. He said, I got to throw this baby off the glass a little bit higher so he can't get it. But he didn't have to worry. Had he missed it, I was going to dunk it back in. He knew that. Right. But uh Isaiah made the adjustment. Then we all made the adjustment. Whitman got hot. Landon. Landon I think Landon got in foul trouble. I think. See, the only thing I, I didn't like about when we played back then, a ticky tack foul. Come on, man. Yeah. Those are not fouls. We they they just called anything back then because they controlled the game. Yeah. So we play to the referees liking. And so we couldn't play our physical game because Big Ten was way physical than ACC. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm.
2: Still to this day.
0: Yeah, but uh, the, we we had to adjust to that too because when you got ACC officials instead of Big Ten officials, you know they didn't want to be they didn't want no they didn't want no no bias or anything out there. But man, that was that was tough. And I think that's what hurt me because I was so used to playing physical, you know, and getting after people. They just called hand checking. They called pity. Tiki-tac fouls and it took us out of our game. It took me out of my game primarily because I was used to just playing hard. So, but like you said, getting back to the LSU game, when Knight said don't shoot, I said, well, let me make some good passes. So that's all I did.
3: Yeah, well, let's go back. You just won the national championship, your senior year. You're going right. out as the best team in the country what a career, two Big Ten titles, Big Ten Player of the Year, NIT champion, yeah. and now the national championship. I understand being frustrated with your own personal performance and how that might affect you, but did you allow yourself then to just celebrate?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if you go back and look at the, the photos and look at the pictures, Landon and I got up there on the rim, cut the nest down. We had the NCAA sign. you know, Grunwald, Risley, Eisenbarger, and myself, so we had the championship trophy in the middle of the court, and uh, it, it was it was a, a surreal moment for me, and of course for everybody else. But you know, both my parents were alive; they got a chance to see it, and my coach, who was alive at the time, got a chance to see it.
3: Oh, nice! And
0: that that meant a lot. You know, my brother and my sister had to stay at home because you know we couldn't really afford to have everybody fly out. But um, it was good to uh, win it to get interviewed and to know that you're going out on top and that you're about to go pro was this is the ultimate high for a collegiate, really to be a senior and go out on top. The best. Yeah, and, and there, there's no greater feeling and then to, to be a starter and play a significant role as a winning team. And I just wanted to make the all tournament team, but I didn't, but that's okay. By the I way, got, I, I got the hardware.
3: Yeah. Look, my hoodie is representing 1981 championship here. I just got okay. this a couple weeks ago, so I'm very happy about this hoodie that I'm wearing.
2: <laughs> I sent the, I sent the same I sent the same one to my father as a Christmas present because he wow. could remember that I was three at the time. So I said, "Dad, you can have this one." But as great as the celebration was on the court, how great was it going back to Bloomington as a national champion,
0: man? You can't begin to imagine how awesome it was from the airport. Thousands of people, you know, at the hangar, watching us celebrating. You know, we're pump, fist pumping and everything. And uh, we get back on the bus from Indianapolis all the way to Bloomington. People were on the side of the highways, up on the overpasses, waving flags and banners, and said, I you! how you! Champions!" And man, it was great. Uh, And then when we got back to Assembly Hall, there was no room in there. And just to be able to talk about it and share our experiences with our fans, our our classmates, and and all those who represent IU, you never forget those days. You never forget that. And uh, to be able to win it all like that and to celebrate with the people that supported you the whole four years and the years before and after, it's just great. And I, I could tell any fan, if if you if anybody if you've never been to an IU game, you're missing out.
1: Yes,
3: if, amen. If you
0: never got a chance to celebrate a championship in IU at, at the Assembly Hall, Smith. All right, All right, hall, right Ray, Ray
3: don't make us feel bad, okay? Oh, don't make you, us feel you, bad. You we're you not celebrating go, much
2: <laughs> lately. We're not <laughs> celebrating.
0: Did you didn't go much to lately. the fountain. You didn't go we to the
2: fountain. We were there in the we were there in the late '90s. It didn't oh. happen.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay. Bro. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, I celebrated sorry, at home. <laughs> I know, we need to make it come back. I'm curious in the years since, clearly uh? you had a, let's call it, complex relationship with Bobby Knight.
0: I think that's, that's that, yeah. okay
3: um, because clearly look it's two sides you respect what he did for you as a man and how it prepared yeah. you for life but it also yeah. was extremely challenging to deal with as a as a young man growing right. and molding. and and there were times where I'm sure you felt held back as you've talked about. Did, oh, yeah. did you continue or build any kind of relationship with him in the years after? Did you have any interaction with him in the years since? Or when you were done, was it like, you know what, thank you, but now it's time for me to move on?
0: Yeah, pretty much. You know, thank you, appreciate you. If you need something from us to help you out with the charitable event or, you know, whatever, we've always done that to help Coach that out. I'm, I know, for example, uh, Steve Downing is now the AD at Marion College. This yes. is mm-hmm. Marion University. So we, we went back there on a couple occasions to help raise money to build or to uh, expand the new the gym. Oh, that's football gym, and Some other things. And I got a chance to talk with Coach Dan. Uh, you know, if I want to contact Coach, I have resources that I can go to to talk to him. You know, if I needed something, I would ask him whether he would help me or not. But at one point, a lot of people don't know this, but at one point before Mike Davis became the head coach at IU, before all the the, the trauma went down with him and uh, you know the incident where he grabbed yeah. the player, you know you know who that is. Sure. Yeah. And so uh, he had asked, I think, Buckner, Woodson. Uh, he'd asked, uh, I think it was Scott May, Bobby Wilkerson. That's the mothers. And then he had got to get around to asking me, uh, Ray, would you like to become an assistant coach with me? I said, Coach, let me pray about it. <laughs> <laughs> because from what I from what I understood, talking to Joby Wright and Steve Downing, he treated his coaches, and, and and of course Jim Cruz, he treated his coaches like he did his players.
1: Right.
0: I couldn't do that no more.
3: No, you you hadn't yeah. done that already.
0: I, yeah, I couldn't do that. If, if he was more like a Dean Smith or Mike Krzyzewski, absolutely. I would have. And I could have been the head coach at IU had I went and de- dealt with right. him. Right. But I, I couldn't do it. So Mike right. Davis took on that helm, and he had a great thing going. He went to the Final Four. They should have won it, but Mike, Mike just didn't understand all the, the nuances of X's and O's.
3: No, and, and, yeah. and, and Mike will admit it. We've talked to him. He wasn't ready for a job like that. I mean, his career started backwards. You're not supposed yeah. to get the Indiana job as your first head coaching job. And, yeah. and he wasn't prepared for it. But Mike is, as you know, you know, very devout Christian and, and a good man, and we love him. And, and he yeah. always, look, he cared about Indiana. And that's, I think, what we want more than anything is we just want right,
0: people right.
3: that care about Indiana.
0: Great character, great guy, very mild-mannered, very laid back, very humble. Uh, and I think now he's at Detroit Mercer doing yep. well. Yep. And if, if you remember, Ant- I think Antoine, his son Antoine, he would always carry him and take yeah. him everywhere with him. Yeah, yeah. His son is now starting for him at Detroit.
3: <laughs> and is a hell of a ball player, too. Pretty cool. Yeah.
2: Now, in, in the time since Coach Knight left the program, uh, a lot of former players kind of s- distanced themselves. Coach Knight came back. Hopefully, that's sort of on the mend. Uh, but for you, have you been able to, especially, you know, with retirement and stuff now, do you still follow the program? Uh, is not, not so much, not so much. Is that because of the quality of the play? or that you've just moved on?
0: (laughs) It's it's really hard to say. I I will watch them periodically because, and I I kept telling Landon and I kept telling some other people that Indiana University needs a big, strong, I I, I know uh, Davis is playing well, but he's not the center. He's a great kid, but they need a guy like a seven-footer that can play, like a Jim Wiseman,
1: mm. somebody
0: like that. And they need a point guard that can shoot the ball. They need somebody like a Russell Westbrook, but but, but a better shooter. Somebody like a Steph Curry. But they also need some strong forwards that can run, and, and, and like, like a Kawhi Leonard and, say, Paul George.
3: Yes, if give you, us the best players <laughs> in the history of the game, and we'll be okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Actually, I, what I, we need, saying, Ray. Man, Ray, what we need if, if is a Ray Tolbert. Tolbert. We need a Ray Tolbert.
0: If That's he had a Ray Tolbert, Tolbert I'll I go there. I'm telling you. Right. I agree with we you. We can run. We can shoot. We can pass. We can jump. We can block shots. We can rebound, and we listen. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to tell you, Ray. Everything that we have ta- we've talked to so many of your teammates and the way they talked about you, the the respect that they have for you as a man, but, but as a player and what you brought to the table, it bothers your teammates that you don't get more attention for what you meant to that team. And, uh, and it, it truly does. And when you go back and look at your stats and what you meant game by game and how consistent you were. I mean, that to me is the thing Ward and I talked about. The consistency for
2: four years, playing over 30 minutes a game every year. But so this, I- is, this is because you're the base player. You're steady. You're That's steady. That's right. Everybody's just relying on you, measure to measure. But you <laughs> knew
3: you could count on you, defensively, offensively. And you're right. Landon Turner, if he doesn't turn it on, we don't have a banner. If Roy Tolbert decides to go to that hell hole up in West Lafayette, we also don't have a banner. <laughs> so, and and uh, and your humility and your grace and what you've decided to dedicate your life to in helping others, you, you are such an incredible representative of what Indiana should be about. It's just been, it's been such an honor to to walk down memory lane with you. It really well,
0: has. Just remember this, fellas. A bass player plays the bottom, okay? He, he's the guy that plays the bottom. A good basketball player as a center or the, the front court, man, he's, he's protecting the bottom. Okay. So I might've been a bottom player, but what's ever on the bottom is holding everybody else up.
2: Boom. I like Amen. that. Amen. Thank you so much, Ray, <laughs> for taking this time with us. We're going to do a part two where we just talk about music. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. We're going to go the there the whole way. And the NBA. We'll get the, the NBA, NBA too. Um, okay. But- But it's, it's been just uh, so much fun, not only to, to reminisce, but to get to know you. And I'm sure for all the listeners out there who, you know, didn't get to watch you play like us, it's just, it's such a great way to connect to the history and the legacy of, you know, here we are hoping to get back to those days. So you sharing those days with us really
0: keeps the dream alive. That would be nice to see IU do some great things this year. I say within the next three years, to keep getting some great recruits, you're going to see some good things from uh, Indiana University. I hope so.
3: Let's hope. Let's hope. well put in a good word with the man upstairs because you've got a more direct line <laughs> to him than we do. He's not listening to us.
0: Oh, uh, he listens to you, man. All you right, just got to have a good right. heart. Fair enough. You enough. Fair have enough. a good heart. He'll listen to you,
3: <laughs> Ray. Uh, really, truly, a pleasure and an honor to talk to you. And uh, thank you, guys. And good luck to your daughter as well. Uh, glad to hear she's doing well. That's, that's, there's no better legacy obviously than watching your kids be successful. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, good luck thank to you
0: and your family. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate you. T- Stay right. safe. Okay, send, send me a copy, man. Oh, All I right. wait, we're gonna put it
3: out tomorrow. We'll send you the link.
0: Okay, thank you guys. Right. Take care Thanks now. So much. All right, bye-bye. bye-bye.
2: Okay, bef- before we get into anything, you do realize that Board Ward was in on that entire conversation yeah, on purpose,
3: <laughs> on purpose. But like just halfway,
2: yeah. You moved him at one point, and yeah, then you yeah. sort of like ghostly and then moved half him back. and then I, I was like, should back. we, should we tell Ray what's going on with nope. that? No, nope.
3: Board Ward's just part of the show. <laughs> Board Ward's part of the show, my friend. Uh, look, I mean, just an infectious personality. I was not expecting that. I didn't know a lot about him from a personality standpoint. And it's just another example of these guys during the Bobby Knight era that are just filled with personality and life and storytellers and sense of humor and
2: intelligence.
3: Confidence. Yeah, it's just awesome. I mean, it's just awesome. I love the guy, he's so funny
2: when you told me that he was a bass player, I did expect somebody more laid back and quiet because that's sort of the stereotype. Yeah. And even being on those teams with Woody and Zeke and, and even like, you know, Whitman and other big, strong personalities and everything that Whitman's done since that where he's like the, the fourth guy sometimes mentioned on those teams, despite being big 10 MVP, you're like, well, it's part of that sort of personality too, but no, I mean that, that infectious smile and laugh and sense of humor like that was just a damn good time never mind that we got to cover some of that territory from another angle with yet another completely different point of view and and frankly one a little uh, more imp- impartial let's say to coach Knight, which is always a unique experience to have that not everybody was just like i totally drank the Kool-Aid and anything he said i did without question or reserve that you could still win a national championship even if everybody didn't mesh quite the same way with Coach Knight.
3: You don't have to love him. You have to respect him. And you have to listen to him. And he did. He, and he sacrificed himself for the greater good of the team. But, you know, to me, it's not even about being impartial. It's just everybody has their own truth and their own story. You know, like we don't all love the same people. We don't all react the same to the same people. And And I love hearing all the sides of it because I can imagine how difficult it must be You know, what I also love, and we've talked about this before, I hate more than anything, false modesty. Yes. I hate it. (laughs) He doesn't have any. Like, it's not arrogance. It's just, here's who I was. Here's what I did well. Here's what I think I could have done better. Like, I just like a guy who, like you said, confidence. It's it's,
2: it's refreshing. It's it's kind of matter of fact. Yes. You know, and that, that even in... Oh, I I was scoring twenty five a game in high school, and I was waiting for four years to be the four instead of the five, and it never happened. But hey, I still got some jewelry and a sweatshirt out of it. Um, that, that it, you know, it worked out okay. But it, there's another case of Coach Knight, and even if it took an Indiana high school player to get signed at Purdue beforehand to get Ray down to Bloomington is here's coach Knight, taking these guys, making them part of a team and, and getting the ultimate success out of them. It's just such a tribute to a coach who can take all these different abilities and personalities and figure out a way to make a mesh and, and and it doesn't happen every season or even every game, But with a coach like that, when it was happening about every four or five years that you had a team and in, in some cases back to back years, it just an injury would mess up with it, that he was able to have a team that could win on any night against any team in the country. It's phenomenal.
3: It is. And, um, I'm glad we did the video on this one too, because his face is so funny and the expressions are so funny and he's a great storyteller
2: and, and to seeing see the memorabilia his swag. Yeah. Dude, and seeing how- the
3: big 10 player of the year stuff. is just that, that to me is the most remarkable thing about the Ray Tolbert story. He was big 10 player of the year for the 1981 championship. I think if you ask the average fan, they would never even mention his name. It would be like Isaiah. If it wasn't Isaiah, Landon Turner gets a bunch of publicity, maybe Randy Whitman. Ray Woody, Tolbert uh, was the Woody. glue you for have that team. the year before. Yeah, yeah. But Ray Tolbert was the glue that held that team together. Like he said, you protect the bottom as a four or five, and, and that allows everything else to stay upright. And he's right. It anchored those Bobby Knight teams. It's no, it's no coincidence that Kent Benson anchored you know the the championship undefeated team by the way steve downing and anchored mm-hmm. the final four team early on ray tolbert and dean garrett you know anchored those teams that's no it's no and, coincidence
2: and then and then in our glory years eric anderson Alan henderson
3: yeah, you know absolutely. you just
2: you just had those big boys down there like not always getting the flashiest numbers but really keeping it all anchored together yep. yeah and and to uh to look at what that that man accomplished and to where we feel like somehow we are shining a light on his career that maybe you know 40 years later is somewhat overlooked i would imagine at the time because you're so all in on those teams there was a great appreciation for guys even deep into that bench sure. but but for those our age and younger I do think it's really important to hear that. And and also that we've heard it from other guys on the 81 team. It's like, oh, I remember, I forget who the first person was we talked to on that team and on Wikipedia and seeing Ray Tolbert, Big Ten Player of the Year. I was like, burger. Yeah. It's so, so it's, it is, it's fun again, to dive deep and get that stuff.
3: It is. And I'll again say the consistency blew me away. Four years straight of double digits, four years of leading the team, in rebounding in blocks, leading the team in field goal percentage, sophomore and senior year, playing 30 minutes or more a game. Every year he was there starting in 123 of 127 games played. It's just, these numbers are staggering. And mm-hmm. you want to talk about a rock that you put in and no, let me tell you what nobody would have been saying about uh, Ray Tolbert. Well, you know, last year he, he was just in high school six months ago.
0: Nobody oh, was God. saying
3: that about Ray Tolbert. <laughs> Nobody was saying, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not comparing it to anything. I'm just no, saying, no, you grab Ray Tolbert, you put him in and you expected him to be solid. And he was a man from the beginning. So I love him. I love the personality. Uh, I, I just love him. I love him. I, I wanted, I, Oh, and by the way, I want to refer to him as Ray Lee Tolbert.
2: Yeah, I did think you were going to ask him if we could call him Ray Lee, but he did say specifically people from Anderson. So I didn't and know. Us. It's and not us. like the nickname that carries through life. That's a that's a, a hometown thing.
3: I'll follow up with him, but I think we can call him Ray Lee Tolbert. I like it. It sounds J-
2: just not Raymond Lee.
3: Never Raymond Lee. Follow us on Twitter at your Hysterics for the hysterics. No, E, no, I, but, the but sometimes why? and we will be back at you next week
0: from the halls of assembly you'll hear us scream and shout
2: our love of Indiana is manic and devout Archie and his boys we discuss in unique manner we won't be satisfied until we hang another banner us to goof Go by names of Warren and Eric And as you probably know by now who's your hysterics Who's your hysterics? Who's your hysterics?